basketball season, I really don't like college basketball, but I like to make money on college basketball edition with A.J. Hoffman, one-on-one. Fez got the flu. It's not the blue flu, like the cops would get if they're unhappy. And you know how you know? Because this Sunday, we're having a special edition. We're going to take, it's going to be a takeover of the little college pod. I call it the little college pod Thank that you. could. And you, it's you and your co-host. Griffin Warner. And what's his background? Uh, he's in, in finance, he actually. Does uh, I don't know about that. Okay, go ahead. Well, yeah, probably he, not. He's got a finance background, be a huge college basketball fan. Has Did been, he pass his Series 7? That I don't know. Well, how could he be in finance and not pass his Series I don't, 7? I don't know, what, I don't know enough about finance to know. the first thing I would ask him. I, yeah, I didn't if, think if to if ask him. If he doesn't it. have it, he can't be on the pod. Okay, I'll, I'll let him know. So, but he, so he's a smart guy on Wall Street. Where does he work? I don't know where he works what anymore. What city, I mean? Uh, Dallas. Okay, that, that isn't New York, but it's big. And University of Texas graduate. Okay, that's good. UT. Yep. Hook'em horns. Yep. And he's how's his expertise? It's it's substantial. He uh, does he, he know more than you? Uh, he I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, th- I, I think he does what you've suggested that I do mm-hmm. and shave off some teams. That's yeah, what that's I'm what gonna, that's do. what I'm going to do next year. I'm shaving off some teams. It, it, let's be. But hey, the beauty is for the final time. You can benefit because what we're going to be leading the show with here is some of these small conferences. You're going to do three, four minutes on each, give some betting tips. But then the special takeover edition, Sunday night, it's being recorded. Sunday evening, late night, it's getting pushed out. By 6 a.m. Monday, could be earlier, but by 6 a.m. Monday, it's going to be Steve Fezzik, A.J. Hoffman, and the guy from Dallas. Griffin Warner. Griffin Warner. That sounds like a pet. Is his family got money? They're from yeah. they're from Rhode Island. I don't yeah. know what that tells you, but yeah. So another, so Fez and another silver spoon. I'm guessing, <laughs> AJ, who was in the military at age 17. That's he's, right. He's representing the self-made. A man of the people. Well, no, no, you're not that. But what? No, no, you want to be that. <laughs> but they, the real people, respect me. That's like I'm nothing like them, but I grew up like them. Nearly and, in West Virginia. It's in a way like Trump. Like think about it. The, the, you know, they always said, oh, he's the blue collar or he's the blue jeans billionaire, except he never wears blue jeans. Like the guys that try, you know, they try to get up there and talk with an accent, you know, like the one they think they want to hear, <laughs> you know, the, everyone knows they're full of crap, right? To whatever degree you like Trump or don't, the people, the working class people said that guy feels like an outsider because that's what most working class people feel is they work really hard and they're and, and, and the game's rigged. Yeah. Right. And to me, it doesn't matter how much money you got if the game's rigged against you. And again, that's you could say, well, Trump, the game isn't rigged against him. It's interesting if you read about him when he came over from Queens. This is like remember when uh, Brandon Walsh came from Minnesota, right? The Walsh siblings. Well, this was from Queens, another borough, but he was rejected totally. And I mean, to the point of like. He got with uh, Roy Cohn, I think that's, yeah, who was a, a very famous lawyer and uh, was known, and they've talked about, like, doing the shadiest stuff ever. Like, his law license was almost taken away, like, four <laughs> times, allegedly. But, um, and he went, like, he went, um, what would you call it, scorched earth. And, you know, and now his whole career has been about trying to say F you to the people that rejected him when he was, like, 24. This sounds like the, uh, the plot of Breaking Bad. 
Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> well, that, but that was where that, I do think the ego was a big part of that because when he sold his portion of the company, right, for whatever it was, 50000 because uh-huh. he had a kid on the way, he feels like that they're getting credit. But I think here it's more about being in the club. Okay. Right? And anyway, alert, alert. We've just had a time warp. <laughs> we went off on a tangent. And all I'm going to say, I'm not even going to tease it. It involves hard scrabbled living. And the person who we should have said the name of when we were saying it's like so-and-so was Brittany Murphy in Eight, Eight Mile. Mile. So now you know. I was embarrassed to ask. And then you were like, no, I've seen it. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I love, when, they're, when they're doing their battling or whatever, uh-huh. it's great. That is good. That's, you know, that's all, that's pretty much all I know about rap, but you know, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, you know, I saw the run DMC Aerosmith video. Okay. So, yeah. So a lot of good stuff there, but now we're here and now we're getting into college basketball. But first, only topic we're going to do before is the NFL draft props that are connected to the NFL combine props. So Mackenzie, DraftKings, FanDuel, have you looked at the number of props they have up for the um, combine? Yeah. They, uh, how would you characterize it? They have like a dozen or so general props, like fastest time, and then they have five or six individual player props, most, most of these books we're talking about. Okay. So here's what I would say. One, this is an information market, whereas when there's a game, you can get information on the game, but the deciding factor isn't the information. So who wins an Oscar, in theory, is an information, if someone has that information beforehand. And that's what you see, is if you see drastic moves in those kind of markets or draft markets, especially draft markets the day of the draft. When it surges, it's the only time I'll chase steam because it's a sign someone knows something. Same thing we saw with the props for the Super Bowl, the things that you could know, like songs and all that. Mm-hmm. When it starts steaming, don't think there's value the other way. Someone's got information. Tail it or pass this isn't exactly that, but it's close to it, which is if someone knows what kind of 40 these, you know, someone's taped it, they know they, his coach is taping it, sure. whatever, trainer, and you don't think they're telling people? Because everyone loves the idea they could make a couple thousand like, and be on of the course. So in general, I would say if there seems to be steam, trust it, don't look to fade it. But I think there's something that's less obvious. Draft props themselves are getting huge. And I think this year it's going to be a huge buildup. I've heard, talked to people that have never done them and say they're going to really focus on them. It's like it's really almost like golf betting. It's surging, and this is surging with the props for the draft. If you know, by definition, the time, the 40 times that are expected are the market prices right now, right? 4.38, whatever. Now, McKenzie in pre-production made a good point, which is, Hey, there's money line movements on these, not so much seconds or hundredths of a second. And thus, if what I'm going to say has to account for that. So set that aside for a second. But if there's nothing that's more correlated to your draft position, nothing than your 40 time. Now, the quarterback, that's not the case. But generally, even linemen, it's crazily correlated. Oh, my God, he's 320 and he ran a 4.7. And Kevin Cole was talking about this from PFF. He, he did a study on the correlation of who gets picked early and the correlation of who does well. So like in receivers, he was talking about where the percentage of your receiving yards of your team. So were you 38% of the team's receiving yards for your career? 
In college? In college is the best determinant of how good you're going to be in the NFL. And that seems on the surface to be crazy. It's like, well, if they're throwing him a lot of screen, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, especially now that seems crazy because when you think about, you know, three guys from LSU getting drafted into the league at the same time or, or three guys from Ohio State that all played so the, together. So the quality of the competition or the, the competition amongst your team. He says he actually will make an adjustment if there's multiple picks in the first two rounds. Okay, so that, that makes sense. But that's an extreme case if sure. you make a adjust- And but, that's happening more recently. It wasn't yeah, always that but way. if someone's at New Mexico, you, and someone else is at a high state, even if high state doesn't have a lot of other great receivers, to get, you know, 40% or whatever is so much easier. But, you know, hey – this is math, and what where it does make sense is the career is how early do you get on the field, right? Because if you're hardly playing as a freshman but someone else is playing, that is telling in a way because these late bloomers often aren't as good. Why are, Why is it taking so long? I think the Liberty quarterback, right, would be Malik an example Willis. of that, yep. right? Um, now, I'm not saying that's determinant by itself, but anyway, what we know is the 40 time, drives a lot of the draft position so if you have a player you're thinking of going over under on in the draft itself and you know what his 40 times supposed to be which you do because you know what the market is if you are watching it live or react pretty quick if they exceed or if they fall either short or do better than the time by a significant margin to me if it's a hundredth of a point a second yeah but if it's even, you know, whatever. Two tenths of a second? I don't even, well, yeah, God. But what I'm saying is if I think five hundredths is going to be very, that's a half a tenth, right? It's yeah. going to be very significant. Then my gut feeling is that's going to directly affect their draft position. And that's, that can be a trigger to make a bet that you would have made before, it, but you're waiting for the right time. Does that make sense? That does make sense, yeah. And Mackenzie's point about delay price was, well, if it's like minus 140 towards the time taken longer, whatever, over, I guess, is if he goes over by 100, if anything, he might have fallen short of expectation because if they had moved the seconds, it would have been probably more than 100 for that kind of lay price. But instead, they moved the money line. Yeah, I don't know what the conversion rate is. But I'm, you know, I think you can generally say, hey, that's a lot of movement. It's, you know. So this is a situation where you don't necessarily have to bet on – no. The, the combine to have value from what from from seeing it happen live and seeing what the numbers are. If you do or you don't bet is irrelevant to this. If you bet, go for it. If you like sure. it or don't. I wonder if you could parlay it. With a prop that that But th- that would be awesome because they probably don't see the correlation. Yeah. They go under, like he's drafted sooner with under on the runtime. Oh, well, that'd be interesting. Uh-huh. You know? I wouldn't expect this, but I got to say, <laughs> what do you think of that, McKenzie? I think we're going to get more and more of those opportunities as as they expand the menu, and they do so every year. What opportunities? Uh, betting both a, a player's under and a, and their 40 time under, because they have some of those players available now, but you know by April 15th, they're going to have 40 players available. But how could we bet a parlay? After the he runs his time, I'm saying every year they're getting more and more of these props out earlier. So here's what he did, AJ. He he must be on such a mode of dastardly trying to like diminish people. He took he took. I, I gotta say a, a burst of you know chances are we won't be able to do it, but just it's those kind of synaptical connections that I that why I do this is like oh maybe we could do this. 
And it was one of my better ones, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, like, how long do you have to listen to another show to hear something like that? I'm still listening. I wouldn't listen that long. <laughs> I would have given up. So I ask him, now what's he supposed to do there? Amen, brother. Right? That's all you needed? Pretty much. What he does is he somehow takes the attention away from the specificity and makes it general. And he takes the attention away from the now and makes it into the future. And it almost like completely, it's like throwing water on a fire was almost ready to start. Kindling. <laughs> and he pissed on it. I th yeah, I think it's more than throwing water. Yeah. I think it was urine. Now, was that intentional or was that just instinctual? In instinctual, definitely. Oh, no it would have been intention. funnier if you would have said intentional. No, it would have been horrible. <laughs> it also wouldn't have been true. Yeah. We see, we, I know you think lies I know, are funny. I know. I, lies are funny. They're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try one. I'm going to try one. Okay. I'm eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> no, doesn't work yet. I'm going to keep trying. But you, you see the point, don't you, Mackenzie? Uh, I do. I do. Why did you do that? Can I make a guess? Yeah. You, you didn't have an answer, so you sp spoke like, like a politician from 1986. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like me. Stop. Just stop. Obfuscating things. Stop. We'll do. Seriously. If you don't have something great to say, say amen. Amen, brother. Yeah, I hear you, RJ. I hear you. Exactly. <laughs> there, take from Stephen A. Either way. Because then, you know why? Because then when the, you say that, they're going to be like, oh, he, he, he passed on some microphone time. When you're greedy on the microphone, there's nothing, nothing worse than that, says the guy that talks 80% of the time. But I'm not greedy because it's my show. Like when I was on for three years with Adam Carolla, let me tell you something, it's hard to get a word in. I mean, that guy, he makes me a, a piker talk. And, and, but I would sit back, I'd wait, I'd let some things pass, but I came with the strong stuff when I came. You following, Mackenzie? I'm Adam Kroll in this case. You're a young RJ, well, a couple years ago, but you're not me. Back when you were six. Yeah, yeah. I'm the young RJ without <laughs> that, the skills of yeah. the great RJ Bell, but, so I'm in but, a difficult position here. But apparently I'm tutoring you. No one tutored me. I don't hey, know how you did it. I amen, brother. It. Yeah, but you're not listening. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Yeah. Or, <laughs> there <it> was. <laughs> or, or. I hear you, R.J. Bell. I hear you. That's fine, too. <laughs> All right? Either one. You know, now that we're over here, you know uh, the guy that does bar, re or, uh, bar rescue, Taffer? I don't know him. I don't know him by name uh, now. Here he is. R.J. Bell is one of the legends in the game of sports betting. I agree. No, Amen, I, I, Amen, brother. <laughs> what are you thinking of that, Mackenzie? Classic. Okay, okay, okay. How about this? Once again, it is R.J. Bell. What do you think of that? Great stuff. <laughs> Listen to the founder for pregame.com. Thanks for enlightening me on this particular subject, R.J. <laughs> you following? Yes. Okay. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait one more this is where i go i go to vegas via the coward global satellite network rj bell pregame.com or rj bell joining us from las vegas bob lee i like when uh colin connects to us here and our machine makes that noise from the cowherd satellite network are you so you're 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 taking you're trying to debunk Collins' theater of the mind. Yes. Wow. 
Okay. <laughs> any, any closing thoughts, Mackenzie? I missed the Stephen A. Smith radio show. That was a, that was a good one. No, 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 no. Any closing thoughts, Mackenzie? No, sir. No, no. Amen, Amen brother. Amen. You're, 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 how'd you graduate Yale? Do we, does he have to spoon by feed not, it? By not answering affirmatively to the question, anything else? Yeah. Amen. No, say, no, you've got it covered. Amen. All right. So answer the question. No, you got it covered. What was the great thing that happened that we were so... Oh, when we got re-up for our fourth season on the radio show, Mackenzie was, like, crying because someone got, like, got some attention he did. Remember that? Yeah, it was, like, literally the only thing we talked about when I announced it was something about him. Off the air, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Remember? It's like, that's the happiest I've been about something I've done in a podcast for a while. And he completely pissed on it. Huh. He does drink a lot of sparkling water. He's in the bathroom a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> let's do college basketball. So what we're going to do, let's start with the, mo- the tournaments to start first. A couple minutes on each. Here's what I want to hear. I want to hear if you like any team, particularly um, in a first-round matchup. If you like any team to win it, that's a surprise. And who do you think maybe could do some damage in the tournament if they make it? So go. All right, let's start in the Southern Conference. And Furman is the favorite in this conference, despite being two games back of Chattanooga in the standings. They're the the two seed. So is there a reason they did poorly in the regular season? Uh, Injury or something? It wasn't necessarily poorly, uh, but... Relative to expectation, because if they're the favorite now, it must mean they were pedigreed more. So two two reasons why that's happening. One is Furman's ranked higher in Ken Palm, which what you'll see with these tournament uh, prices is they're almost down the line related very closely so, to so Ken ma- Palm's So ratings. matchups aren't considered very much. They are. That's the other part of it. The, well, really, the draw. Mm-hmm. Is, is what's considered. And the three seed, Samford, is the seventh highest rated team in Kimpom. So they're looking at it as a walkover game for Furman, mm. whereas Chattanooga has a tougher game in the second round. So, And for those inexperienced, Kimpom is a, am I correct? He was a former meteorologist? I think so. Yeah. And then he started with his own little rating, well, initially little rating system. And like I always say, if something clearly beats the market in any sport and it's publicly known, the market will um, uh, regress to that pricing as soon as that pricing becomes available for the most part. And now does Ken Palm come out before the lines come out? Like, let's say during the regular season. Ken Palm's projection, like Ken Palm before the first game starts, has projections for every game that season. But I'm, for every game that season. Yep. But then it changes as. Sure, as the data can. changes. Okay. So, Ken Palm, so how often, like, how tight are the lines in the regular season to Ken Palm? Let's say Ken Palm says five. It's almost always within a point. Okay. And and that point range has to do with what? Fatigue, matchups, injuries? I mean, usually injuries, something that the, the algorithm doesn't foresee. Do you find yourself – well, it doesn't foresee anything about the matchup. It only considers the strength of the teams, right? They're not really figuring out how they play against each other. Well, how they how their offense matches up against their defense, things like that. Mm, I'm not sure it does that. That's interesting. 
So does let me ask you this. Can you mathematically look at the two teams side by side? side, by, side but hold on. Look at the ratings and then figure out what Ken Palm's projection is going to be just by doing the math? Within a point or two. Well, no, but it isn't to the hundredth of a point? No. Okay, then there might maybe there is a matchup element. I'm going to look into that because uh, I just don't know. I don't bet college basketball every day, so uh, I certainly don't handicap it every day, um, ever. So... It used to be a great, oh boy, in the 90s, there was a lot of money to make in college basketball because it was just, a, you know, it wasn't a big market. And, you know, um, this year, did you find yourself winning more when you went with Ken Pop, where let's say there was a half point of value on Ken Pop, or when, the, when you were a half point of uh, the other way, the value was the other way? Because in theory, I would, I'm a contrarian. I would want to buck Ken Palm. Whenever I thought there was a matchup thing or something that was big, I'd want to go against Ken Palm. Uh, honestly, something you've taught me, you and Fez both taught me this year was r rather than comparing my numbers against Ken Palm's, what I'll often do is look at Pinnacle and see where that lean is is going mm -hmm. one way or the other and trying to, trying to avoid being on the wrong side of that. Yeah, but that's actually going to be, instead of comparing that to Ken Palm, that's interesting, but comparing it just to the market price gives you the same effect is what is is pinnacle sending a signal right that they right. want action one way or the other you don't want to give them the action they want that's right. what you know for sure and you especially don't want to if you got a worse price like if pinnacle has a line at minus five minus 102 and you're laying five minus 110 you're losing it's a suicide case yeah i mean you're, uh, you're gonna lose probably the most valuable thing i've learned one of the most valuable things i've learned since i've been here is that well how, how to cut your steak that I I I knew a little bit before I got here. <laughs> not to get media or not to get well done. Never get well done. Come on. <laughs> All right. So, but in general, you uh, it's rare for Ken Palm to be off. Thus, the market is getting aligned accordingly. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and I think that they're wrong on in this case. And, Ooh, and Ken Palm is wrong. I, no, I think that the market is wrong. Or well, yeah, I do yeah. think Ken Palm okay. is wrong. That, that they think Furman is better than Chattanooga. So Chattanooga's got a guy named Silvio D'Souza who played at Kansas Silvio the last couple of years. That's a cool sounding name. Yeah, he's a big man, a Kansas five-star guy who transferred to Chattanooga and is at this level, at the SoCon level, is just a monster. He missed six games late in the season with an mm. abdominal injury, and I think that's what's got their price or their, their rankings yeah, but if, if lower. If couldn't account for that, you, how is his rating so damn good? i got to get into these ratings. Go ahead. I'm going to do it for next week. But they, they – that that's been the cause for their lull later in the season, but they beat Furman twice this year already, including once in that stretch without D'Souza, and they've got the recipe you look for to win a tournament and to be. Are we talking about the matchup here in round one, or are we talking about the tournament? I'm talking about overall for the tournament because they've got two great guards in Malachi Smith. So what's their and, odds right and now? And David Jean Baptiste, they are plus two, anywhere between plus one eighty and plus two fifty, plus two fifty at Circa right now. So we're talking Chattanooga. They're the second favorite here. Uh, we got consensus, shop consensus at plus 210. Now, Circa, a very sharp book. The fact they're offering the best number. Do you see what they have on Furman, the favorite? Yeah, they uh, are plus 125 on Furman. So they're leaned pretty heavily towards Furman. Yep. And you're saying you're bucking I'm it. I'm bucking it. So at 250, you like it. I like it. It's, it's my best bet. But it's the best bet for this entire pod. For this entire pod. Wow. We're, all right. You know, I got to uh, listen. I could question you, but that'd be stupid. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece.
And AJ's piece of his mind is best bet on Chattanooga plus, you'd go to what, plus 210? Plus 210 is fair. All right, we'll book it at that. There's 250 at Circa. I kind of, I like when the compute, when you can identify why the computers are wrong. I just have to be sure, and I trust you on this pick anyway, but I got to try to understand if if the injury situation is how it's accounted for with Ken Palm, because if it wasn't, I can't believe it could be so accurate. So I, it, it wouldn't invalidate your pick. It would just make it where there's another reason Ken Palm didn't like them. It wouldn't be the injuries, you know. So, but maybe they maybe they try to adjust for the injuries, but they can't do it to the specificity. Like, this guy's just better than maybe a stat yeah. show or something. Was his stats really good? Yeah, guy, very. Okay. Huh. I don't know. One, right. one more note on Furman. Uh, Bob Ritchie, their coach, he's been there for five years. All five of those years, they've been a three seed or higher in that tournament and never made it to the finals. So his teams have not performed well in this tournament. Okay. Now, does Furman make it? Does anyone make it if they don't win the tournament? No. So this is this is it. This Everyone's is it. motivated. Everyone's motivated. All right. Anything else? Amen, brother. <laughs> now, the, <laughs> the Citadel... 130 to 1. Don't waste time with the Citadel. But they're better than Western Carolina. That's 250 to 1. Yes. And McKenzie says, confirm Ken Palm. Is it spelled P A L M? It's P O M. No, P O M. Ken Pomeroy is his name. Yeah, former meteorologist. He owns the Palms Casino here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next tournament all right let's look at the sun belt which is one of the most wide open conferences in the country there's Hold five on a second chattanooga would be what a 14th or 15th seed they'd probably be a 13 12 they're a 12 they're not yeah. even favoring their own little crappy tournament they'll well, be a 12 yeah, i mean they've they've got a a strong regular season record and if they win that tournament yeah they'll they'll i mean they're 24 and 7 it's a good it's been a good season for them they're set they're, they they're 76 they in Ken Palm. Okay, 76th. So let's think about that. Divided by four, ten. Yeah, but there's a lot of guarantee. Huh, okay. Wow. So in theory, they should be. Well, no, wait a minute. That'd be 40. Yeah, 76. So wait a minute. 76, there's only 64, 68 teams in the tournament. Yeah, but a lot of the top 64 don't make it. I know, but still, that's not like, that doesn't tell. I mean, to be like the 12 seed, it's like 48, right, in theory. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the 48 best teams there, in theory. I mean, for the most part, if you look at the non, um, you know, the, if you look at the top, and I know I was wrong about this last year, was is it 11 seed or 12 seed that goes down to the, because it used to be the 13 seed was the last of the automatic berths, but now it extends to the 12 seed, right? That's mm-hmm. what I would call us figuring out. Um, and that's why the 12th used to be so tough against the five. It was always like, it, it looks like the 13th, but really these were the last at-large teams, and they are the good teams, you know, relative. Right. And, and what you got to remember is there's teams like Oklahoma State, Kansas State, uh, that from bigger conferences that have no chance of getting an at-large bid to the tournament. That are ranked higher. That are ranked higher in Ken Palm. Okay, but but still, it, it, I'm not – obviously, there's got to be some people throwing out blow that couldn't make the tournament, right? Right. It, so, because they're 76 versus 68 or whatever it is now. Uh, is it 68? There's four. 68 teams now. Yeah, yeah, there's four that play for yep, two. Yeah, playing right? games. Um, pigtails, they used to call in wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, you remember that? Is <laughs> – um, how about this? You say you think they're going to win a game. I do. So no bet, no bet if they don't make the tournament because they can't be blamed for that. 
But if they win this tournament, you've cashed your best bet. So you've mm. got some money now. What do I have to well, I'll give you plus 130 that they don't win a game. No, that's not a good number. But you said you think they're going to win a game. I do think they're going to win a game. So wouldn't you bet? But I'll get a better. I'll get a better money line than that. Would you bet a coin flip at at, at plus one thirty? I mean, I don't. I don't know the matchup yet. But you said you think. I think they're one of the. They're one of the teams that I would say yes is capable of winning a game. So it's gone from they're going to win a game to they're capable. I I said I think they'll win a game in the tournament. I do. Which is different than being capable. That's saying I predict them to win. Uh, Sure, but I I don't without knowing the matchup. No, I'm not taking that bet. No, do you want to take that back? Uh, if if I worded it that way, then yes, I take it back. Well, you know you worded it that yeah, way. Yeah, I should have said they are one of the teams that can win one of these conferences that I believe has a a, a better than average shot of okay. winning a game in the big tournament. So do you see how much you've grown? Because you, you used to hate that there was gambling. You'd be, I, I don't want to bet everything. Ah. And then now you listen to it and say, you know, you're right. And you and we just helped the audience, didn't we? Yes. And I didn't make any money, but still, <laughs> that's the beauty of betting, right? Is so, make people back up what they say. Next one. Yeah, the Sun Belt has five teams shorter than ten to one, so this is pretty a, a pretty open conference here. The one seed I think is very vulnerable. I, I don't think there's much value in them. They're the second favorite, Texas State. Uh, I, I don't want anything to do with them. They're a defense-first team, and they don't have size, which if, if you're about defense and you don't have size, I'm not interested in you in a tournament setting. You know, my, my best friend's brother used to be the head football coach there. Oh, really? My yeah. dad played football there when, back when they were called uh, Southwest, Southwest exactly. Texas. Yeah. He, he, I, he was actually there when the transition happened. But, yeah, so it would have been, I think, what, 2000. Two, three, four, maybe? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, but, yeah, Georgia State is the favorite. They are the three seed. They were by far the favorite coming into the season. They had a bad stretch of COVID, and it really killed them in the analytics. But they've won nine of their last ten. They're starting to hit that so preseason Ken, expectation. Does it feel like Ken Palm has that consideration of those absences built into the number? Uh, it does. It does feel that way. And, and mind you, they actually missed full games. Like they had games canceled. They they had games just wiped out mm-hmm. to oblivion. Which so by the way, you want to hear something interesting about Georgia State? Sure. So there was a guy there, an African American fellow, who was uh, one of the true innovate. His last name was like Griffin or Griffith. Look this up. So Georgia State Griffin or Griffith, and he was one of the true innovators of the run and shoot. But he's just not, he's like an unknown guy in that regard. And he actually died in a car crash like probably 10 years ago. But he was like a. He was running it there? Yes, yes. He was like, if you go back, because the guy that was the coach at Texas State was one of the innovators of the running. You know, he was like in the next generation with How Mommy. And, you know, that was the air raid, but it was, you know, a variation on a theme. Uh, And I used to go to all these run and shoot camps. You know, like I was like 18 working the camps and, you know, it was fun. Were you trying to be a coach or what? No, no. My but my my oh, you, my you best with, buddy, with buddy was there and he, you know, he coaches or he's an AD or an associate AD now. Um, but like the, um, you know, and, and that's how I got to know like Mark Stoops and all that was through these guys uh, in the Stoopses. But um, it was fun. I always enjoyed those camps. But it's so funny how passionate the high school coaches are. So, because except for Texas, and I don't know, maybe California, Florida, I don't know. Like, is Texas the only state that you don't teach any classes if you're a high school football coach? I think so. <laughs> but like, they, we were talking, I was talking to somebody about that here in Nevada. Well, Jersey actually has some, the bigger schools, they have them like 
just supervising the gym, you know, kind of lifting and stuff. They were talking, uh, I was talking to them about uh, there's no lights on the baseball fields here. So you have to play all your, your games during the day. And I was like, how do they not have lights? And they said, there's no money in the athletic departments for those things. And he's like, there's no football programs like in Texas that just pay for everything. Mm. And except Bishop Gorman. And they, yeah, except Bishop Gorman. And they were saying, uh, you know, what, like, what's the, it was a former AD who was asking me this. What's the, the head coach at a big football program make in Texas? And let me guess now, because I have, a, I mean, it's like 120, right? In a big program, it's, oh, in high I school? Mean, yeah, you're getting to three quarters of a million. They're almost, wait, wait, $750,000. Yeah. So, so on, wait a minute now. Uh, th- I'm finally, I'm actually flabbergasted by this. So we're saying, the coach. This is the game that people are going to talk about for years to come. Now Dylan, three hundred and seven hundred fifty thousand. Now Dylan is. They won state. Uh, they twice. did, but they're not in a big city. Dylan's not a big city. Well, listen. But if you're in Richland Hills, like in Dallas, where Matt Stafford went to school, or you're at Katy, you're making big dollar. Because also remember, the football coach is always the highest paid person at, at, at the school. They're, they get more money than the superintendent. Can you believe the math teacher? Oh wait, never mind. But they're but they're typically also the athletic director, so that's how they justify paying them that kind of money. So the thing you got to remember is, Garrity is going to be able to raise. I mean, the boosters, <laughs> the deep pockets. Who knows? What From his one like. car dealership. You like that show, right? I love that show. You didn't stop watching it after no. two, like when they went to East Dillon. Nope. You ever seen my East House? I have seen that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I like the fourth and fifth. That's a rare show. I like the the first season I love. The first episode is one of the great first episodes in TV. The, the thing with the ring the whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is awesome. Year two was bad, I thought. I mean, uh, what's his name? He's killing rapists. The, the guy oh. ended up, uh, became the kicker. He was in school like nine years. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But I don't know the name, but I know what you're talking yeah. about. It, Saracen's buddy that ended up dating the hottest girl in the. Oh, come on, what was his name? I forget. <laughs> but I should know it. Well, he just got an Oscar nomination. Landry. Landry. That's Landry a- just got an Oscar nomination. Really? Yeah. He's a weird-looking guy to me. Yeah, he he gets a lot of work. Yeah, he looks like he's got like um, elephants, man. Yeah. Movies or something. He's in. Uh, he's also in Better Call Saul, right? Jesse oh. Peemans, yeah, he is. Well, okay, he was in. I don't watch Better Call. Oh, then Saul. maybe he was in Breaking Bad. He was in Breaking Bad, but he, he was in the Breaking Bad movie for sure. Okay, all right. So, oh my God, he does. I mean, that looks abnormal, doesn't it? Yeah. You got. He got to be a hell of an actor. Yeah. That's all you got to say. Okay, just like me, it's like it's like when I when I struggle pronouncing like names and stuff, it's like you got to know I know my stuff because it's not the <laughs> you know, it's not the broadcasting part. Okay, so real quick though. So coach would have made 750. Did you find that dude out? No, Griffin, Georgia State, run and shoot. Haven't been able to find any. Don't any put run sort. and shoot. Just put head football coach. Right. Like look at the history of football and coaches. Is it Griffin or Griffith? Try both. He doesn't like doing the stuff that there's not like a hot girl that's going <laughs> to pop up at the end of it. All right, continue. Uh, South Alabama, who's the third favorite here at four, four to one consensus. Throw them out the window. They are they're the five seed, which means they've got to play a fourth game instead of just three. The top four seeds have a bye. They don't. And J.J. Chandler, who's the key to everything on their offense, their main ball handler, best shooter, broke his finger in their last game. He's not going to play in so this what's tournament. what's like the opening round line? 
12 and a half. They are 12 and a half point favorites against Little Rock, the worst team in the conference. Okay, so you're saying the team that's laying 12 and a half, what would they have been laying if it wasn't for the injuries and stuff? Probably 14 would be my guess. So it's like they, they have no chances about a point and a half per game. Yeah. Damn, dude. That Does that seem right? Uh, to win a tournament, to win yeah. four games in four days, if you've got injury issues, yeah, you're, you're starting from behind the eight ball so for sure. So South Alabama – you're saying an X through them. X through them. And I will, they're going to play Troy in the second game. Troy is going to be a team. We keep saying they. Can we say the name? South Alabama okay. is going to play Troy in the second game because I, I assume this Little Rock game is a walkthrough, but I'll look to back Troy in that game, certainly. Okay. And, and uh, okay. So remember, you can follow AJ on Twitter. It's it's very convoluted. So get your mind right. If you take lethicin or anything that's cognitive enhancers, now is the time. Okay, it's AJ. I like that so far is the real. Now, what's the real? Nobody knows. AJ is the real. Is that right? That's right. Is it that bad? Oh, God. Here's the thing. It's confusing. Simplicity is the key. It doesn't have to be catchy. If it was the real AJ, would that would that feel uh, very simple? That would sound asinine because you're not the real AJ. There's other AJs more real than you. Like who? AJ Soprano. I'll fight him. Vegas resident. The actor. Is he? Yeah. Poker player. No, he's not a poker player. <laughs> <laughs> Point me to that game. <laughs> um, is that your response? I'll fight him? AJ Soprano is literally not even a real person. How can he be more real than me? <laughs> it shows you how dumb you're, that name oh, would be. Someone, on. someone that's not even real. Let's be. go back to shitting on McKinsey's Twitter <laughs> handle. All right, but what Amen, I'm saying brother. is you'll, you'll, put, you'll put out... Uh, when when that matchup happens, you know, if you still like it. Yes. As a freebie. As a freebie. So we're saying now, South Alabama, no chance. No chance. Alabama's got me so upset. All right. You got to like that one, Mackenzie, huh? Great song, great singer. Amen, brother. Who's they? Nina Simone. There we go. The Missouri Valley Conference, so Arch so Madness. So really what you're saying is South Alabama, third favorite, throw them out, and you're saying what else? Uh, that I would look at. I, I like so You don't jo- really like – oh, you like Troy. Uh, I like Troy, but I like Georgia State. That's probably if I had so the to favor. If I had to pick a team to win the tournament, it would be the favorite. So it probably but not much value. This isn't battable to you. No. But in a weird way, if one of the if the third favorite's a toss horse, as they say, you used to like when you used to do the yeah. all, but then you used to try to leave like, that one out. Give me, you know, give me one slash two three slash two three four seven eight four, and then like you got one out, and you say, well, that ends up being sixteen dollars because you know, yeah, they they end up being out in more than you would think. Because I, I ended up losing about 30000 at the dog track over What? Like, I lost a lot of money over there. At the dog track? I mean, like, between the age of 16 and, like, 22. I was making so much. Good thing bet- you were suckering that bookie you yeah, had. Yeah, I was making so much bet in sports. <laughs> I kept going over there trying to beat it. I that was your leak. Oh, my God. Well, listen, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because, one, that's where I got my MBA over there. And, number two, and here was the, probably the most important moment of my life. You ready? Ready. I mean, I, I can't overstate this, which means it's a lot. I spent a lot of time over there. Like, I used to do, I mean, it was like I would do two. They used to have a double header on Saturday, and I'd go over 15 races, 
go to like some bar that was like in walking distance in between, have a sandwich, walk back over for 15 more. And I'd spend like six, four hours the night before handicapping the card. It was talk about a waste of time. But here's what it gave me. I got in with some of the people over there that, you know, knew what they were doing a little bit. And there was this one guy. I don't know how old he was because when you're 20, you think people are 35 or ancient. <laughs> and so he could have been 35, maybe 40. And he was living in a little apartment in Martin's Ferry, which is a little town in that area. I don't think I've ever been to Martin's Ferry. It's like an exit that you just don't take. And he was, it's like the 28th of the month and he's struggling to make his rent. And his rent was probably like $80. I mean, it was like the Fawns living above someone's garage. <laughs> but he, the guy was like 240 and didn't shave. So, and I'm like, at the time, I'm like 17. And he's trying to hustle. He goes, hey, I, I really like this super. How about you throw in a bat it and I'll give you three quarters of it, you know? He wanted a quarter equity for the, you know, he was a good handicapper. But I, it dawned on me. I go, I'm 17 years old. I'm a kid that shouldn't even be betting over here. But I <laughs> you shouldn't even be allowed in the building. But my teacher, my biology teacher was a ticket writer. He'd take my tickets. Mr. Gregory. Wow. Allegedly. But um <laughs> maybe. I don't maybe I misremember that. If Mr. Oh, Gregory he's dead. He's if, dead. He's if Mr. Dead. Gregory would have been the football coach, he wouldn't need to have that side hustle. Well, no, he, he <laughs> in Texas. The, you know what the football coach made when I was a senior? I still know because my best friend's uh -huh. dad was the guidance counselor, so we had access to all that stuff. Like twenty three hundred bucks to coach football. What? Yeah. Wow. And like the, the like the like the uh, basketball men's coach got like I think like twelve hundred for the season. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's and, and I tell you, it's not. I mean, Matt Lowe made an appearance. My good old friend from uh, on the TV show, or I'm sorry, the radio show. Here's an appearance in the pod. I mean, he's been the head baseball coach at his school, and it's a pretty big school in Columbus, Ohio, F assistant football coach. I don't think he makes more than a couple thousand on any of it. Like it, it on it's, that's on top of his teaching salary. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a full-time teacher. Sure. But, I mean, to think about it, like even like in Jersey, like it's kind of weird. The bro Another brother of my best friend, Jimmy, we used to go up to Jersey to see him. He's a four-time finalist for the 4A or whatever it is up there, the biggest one, and he's 0-4 in the finals. He's the Buffalo Bills. I mean, think about that. The he's Marv Levy of New Jersey. He's, now he's like 55. He might never win it. Damn. It was a miss. Uh, one of the years, it was a mi missed extra point. Wide right. No. Why are you saying? Oh, the connection of those? <laughs> okay. That was clever enough. That all right. Thank enough. you. Yeah, I was thinking, what's he saying? <laughs> and, all right. So anyway, bring it all back. But he he makes like a full teacher salary. And up in Jersey, they make a lot, uh, relatively. And he only teaches gym. Okay. Which he doesn't even teach gym. He's like supervising the weight room. Right. So what I'm saying is that's a good deal. Yeah. Right? Especially because it's not full season. What is it? What are they doing in, in May? There's no spring ball. Well, yeah. God. So, it, yeah. 
If you wanted, yeah, if you want to be a football coach, I'd look at high school in a big state. That's the move. Not Ohio, though. No? Because it, Ohio. Because football's pretty big there, too. It, it, well, yeah, it's like the fourth or fifth biggest state for it, but they don't pay the. Co- now, I don't know about like Cincinnati Moeller or St. Ignatius. They probably pay, oh, yeah. but almost every place does. I'm sure Bishop Gorman pays uh, handsomely. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they get them the head job at the UNLV after, right? right? <laughs> so, uh, um, you talked about four games in a row. Now, the thing about the NBA is back-to-backs are common, obviously, but they don't have triple. They don't have back-to-back-to-back anymore. They used to. How big is it that these play? the only other time they could play even three days in a row or even two would be like a holiday tournament, right? That's it. And usually those tournaments don't have four rounds, right? And usually the teams that win those, you got North Carolina, you got the the real blue bloods end up winning those tournaments, which are deep teams. I mean, how big is it that extra game? And when does it start showing itself in game? Cause you could make the case in the first game for one team, the second game for another advantage second team. Cause they're not tired yet, but they're kind of, uh, they're warmed up in a way or, or they're not rusty. I think by the time you play a third game, that's when you're, you're starting to feel that gas. And really a lot of these conferences, the West coast conference, which we'll get to next, the one with Gonzaga in it. They set it up. They make it so advantageous to have the top seeds where some teams have to win, you know, they have to win three games before they before Gonzaga even plays a game. So they've got it tiered where you just but, sit. But in the third game, how much of a factor is fatigue? If one team's playing a third game, one team's playing a second, is it a point? Is it a point and a half? How, I mean, what do you think? I, if one team's playing their third, one's playing their second, I'd say it's probably about, I think it's probably 5%. Something like that. Five percent. Now I've never heard it said that. Like way. I would say, like you, you could ex- expect a five percent decrease in performance from the team playing their third game. So you would take point nine five times the point total times the. How would you think? Like I don't know. That? I guess I've never thought of it that way. I, that's, that's. I wish Fez was here to to yeah, help me but, with that. But you know, that's a good tease for Sunday. Yeah, maybe so. Bring that. No, not maybe. Bring it up. Yeah, absolutely. Because I do think the fatigue's a big issue. Yeah. But I guess that one is going to be before. I mean, let's think about what you're saying. I, I can't, I, I, it's not going to be two points. That's too much. It's not going to be a half. I think it's going to be between one and one and a half. What about when it's a team playing their third game versus a team playing their first game? I don't, the question is, is playing the second game or the first game better? Because in a weird way, the lack of rust might be, maybe that's a new, I, let, let me ask you, would you rather have, if you were betting Gonzaga against, um, a team playing their third game. Would you rather the Zags be in their first game or their second game? If you're backing the Zags. Their second. All right. So then I, 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 yeah, there you go. Right. So, but now the question is, but the Zags are also one of those rare deep teams in a conference like that, which brings up another point. I've always believed, and I bet a lot of college basketball over the years. I just don't handicap it actively. Now I believe strongly that you don't want to lay big numbers in the first round because if there's a game the next day, the coaches are very cognizant of go to the bench and, and let's slow, take the air out of the ball and let's, and, and, and go ahead. Fez has some interesting numbers that he sent us on, on that very thing. Uh, he says that horrible teams do well against the spread when they play decent teams. Mm-hmm. So he says back any conference tournament team with a conference win rate of 15% or less Versus decent teams. So in-conference win rate, okay. And now what's to find a decent team? 40% win rate in conference. Okay, but 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 all the way up to undefeated in conference, or is there a cap on I think there's. Rate? I think the cap is 40%. 
So Fez was kind enough, even in his flu-like state, it's in quite the Jordan game, but he wrote up, <laughs> he wrote up a few things here. And one of them is if you have a really bad conference team, so meaning we're only looking at the conference record because that's who they're playing in this tournament. And if their win percentage in the season is 15% or less, so think about that, uh, you know, a 150 win percentage, that's bad, right? <laughs> now, if they're playing what Fez calls a decent team, now this is originally a Dr. Bob trend that, he, as he says, I don't know that that's true, but I think it is. So, <laughs> meaning Fez, is, Fez doesn't give credit unless he has That's to. what I figured. Yeah, so, and <laughs> so we, what I can't figure out, and we got a text into Fez, is is there a cap on how good the decent team can be? I'm guessing there is, but they have to be 40% 400 win percentage or better with a possible cap. When that's the case, the decent team, um, the conclusion there is, AJ. The bad team tends to cover. All right. Because the theory is everyone's, oh, I think, the theory is everyone's just saying, look at that. They're 1 in 11 or whatever. And this other team's okay. But but I'm guessing because of this cap, the other team isn't going to be the type that can really run it up. Right. And this might be the one spot where the bad team really refocuses and says, hey, we've got a chance a to chance, do something. Exactly. And, and oftentimes, if a team doesn't have a chance for that large bid, they tail off the last five or six games of the year once they feel like it's a dream crusher. And, and the team. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. And the team that's probably 40% winner, they've. Are, they're already looking ahead to a team that's 50% winner because that's who they're going to play in the next round after yeah. they go through this walkover game. And plus, if it's first round again, it's the phenomenon that I was talking about, which is I think teams are looking, not only might they look ahead, they're going to go deeper into their bench, they're going to take the air out of the ball. So I think in general, mismatches in the first round, be careful laying it, I think, because what's the motivation when you might have to play three or four straight games? Yep. All right, anything else? Uh, By the way, this says no cap. All right, so if you're decent or better, so 40% to undefeated, go, go, go. I personally would like it more the higher the spread is because you then get the phenomenon. Uh, I think the refocus. But do you see, let's think about what I mean by tailing off at the end of the year. So Ken Palm looks at all their results. Mm -hmm. If there's some external influence, the dream crusher, of getting an at-large bid that, that tamps down, that depresses the performance, that means it's artificial, that once that is no longer the case, like an injury, someone's not there, he's there. But they account for that. Here, if the motivation is gone because there's no at-large for three or four games, they look like crap, Ken Palm adjusts, now they come back and the motivation is like Harden. Yeah. If Harden's focused, he's better. And I think you you see that with teams' bracketology, Joe Lenardi's bracketology. As it, once it starts coming out and they're like, oh, this team's first four out, then they lose a couple games. I think you see them kind of just go into the tank because if they were first four out and they lose two games in a row at mm -hmm. that point, it's it, you're you're done. Now, do you is that something that you bet? Like you'll see a team that's had a dream at large crusher and you look to fade them? Yeah. All right. Okay. Continue. All right. Missouri Valley, the favorite is Loyola. They're the four seed in this tournament, and they're a big favorite, plus 140. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get a little snack. I'm hungry. Okay. I'm going to let you talk, 
And this is going to be, you're going to, I'm going to be back in three minutes, but this is going to be like if AJ did the part solo and you can tell me what you think of it. Okay. I don't see value on Loyola as the four seed being the most expensive. Oh, never. (laughs) (laughs) There are about five, maybe six good teams in this conference. The top two seeds getting a free square type game against the playing winners is huge in a tournament with this much parity. Loyola has to open against a five seed Bradley, who's won this tournament twice in the last three years and has already beat Loyola. Loyola once this season. Loyola is still very good, but this number implies they're by far the best team in the conference, which I firmly disagree with. Northern Iowa is the one seed and who Loyola would play should they get past Bradley. But Northern Iowa's kind of snake-bitten program in this tournament. They've lost to a play-in team before, and then last year they didn't get to finish the tournament because they had a COVID outbreak. But they've won nine of their last ten, including an overtime win over Loyola to finish the season, and they swept Missouri State which is a team that I, I like actually more than them in the regular season. But Northern Iowa is at plus 460 consensus. I do like Missouri State. They're the two seed. They were building a case for an at-large big back in January when they went to Loyola and won by 10. They followed that up with a loss to Indiana State and have dropped two more since. I think they're the most talented team in the conference. Isaiah Mosley and Gage Prim give them a nasty inside-out duo. They're well-coached. They've got elite shooting from three and two and the free-throw line. They don't turn the ball over, and they saw some quality competition in the non-conference. They've got everything I'm looking for for a tournament setting, so I will be involved with them. Price shop, though. The number is wide. The mar- it's plus two fifty to four twenty. So anywhere in there, obviously you want to get the best number. But that's a team that I'm certainly liking in this tournament. Drake is the other team I think you can take seriously here. They swept Loyola, but they got swept by Bradley and Missouri State this year. You know, McKenzie had a Drake song in his super popular. I know playlist. he did. I, I don't think it was this same Drake though. But if you remember, Drake last year got an at-large bid and then won a game in the tournament uh, before they got beat by USC. But they were without their best player in the Mount, in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament last year and that NCAA tournament. That's uh, Roman Penn. He's at full strength now after missing a good uh, chunk of the season early. So Missouri State and Drake are the teams that I'm looking at in this tournament. So is there a, an actual pick? Like, is it battable with these numbers? I, I would put a unit on Missouri State and a half unit on Drake. Okay. And what, what's what's your um, line range? What is your buy order? Where does your buy order stop at? Uh, what number do you have to get? I would. I'd like plus three fifty at least on Missouri. So plus three forty. You don't play. I wouldn't play it. Okay. Um. Well, Missouri's got. It looks like our sharp consensus says it's plus three hundred. Where's the three fifty? Oh, there's one four twenty. A Fanduel. Okay. All right. There we go. So, a couple of thoughts. You ever have a phenomenon when you go somewhere and there's food or something laid out and you want it, but you don't want to take like the last of something or you just feel like you're on the periphery of maybe being eligible for this food. So you're a little apprehensive about it. Yeah. Okay. I just had the opposite experience is there were four peanut butter cookies left. Nutter butters. Is that where you come? Okay. And you're going to be coughing here in a minute. Though. I looked at the four. Hold on a second. I looked at the. That's when I eat actual peanuts, not, not peanut like, shaped cookies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why. Is but anyway, you're stepping. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to continue. Yeah. I, I can. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I think you're starting to use that against me. So, so anyway, I looked at the four cookies and I grabbed them aggressively and took all of them. And under my breath, I muttered, I pay for all this food. I hardly eat any of it. <laughs> it was weird. It was like I was possessed. You're angry? A little bit. Not angry. I wanted redemption. Well, did you want more cookies to be there? 
No, I, I just didn't care to leave any. If there were six, <laughs> would you have taken six? Yeah. If Not were, seven. Okay. But I would have left That's your one. buy price. I, I would have I left one. I wouldn't have left two, though. Because okay. you know why? Because I'm paying for all this stuff. Fair enough. It, it looks like a – how much food – how many calories do you eat a week that I pay for, Mackenzie? Beyond that, I pay for the other ones with the checks. Well, seltzer waters have zero calories, so that takes a lot of, out oh, of how it. much? Uh, maybe that's more important. What dollar figure do you take out of here <laughs> through your stomach? <laughs> maybe $5 a day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, maybe back in 1967 prices. <laughs> All right, got anything else? Uh, the West Coast Conference, Gonzaga-St. Oh, Mary's Conference. That. That's the uh, the last conference, and it's the one I was talking about. It, it's the most it's the most beneficial if you're a high seed. Gonzaga and St. Mary's wouldn't have to play until the fourth round. They would only have to play two games to win the championship, whereas a team like San Diego or Loyola would have to win five games to win the championship. Wow. So it's a it's it's a big advantage. I I can't get involved in this conference because I believe Gonzaga is going to win it. They are a large favorite, and if I'm not looking to lay minus three ninety to see Gonzaga go through this tournament. So I, I I just don't think there's any value in it, but I also don't think anyone else can win. So St. Mary's win the final regular season game. Mm-hmm. What does that tell us? Told me they had a great game. They had a great game plan, and I think a lot of teams are going to try to do that to Gonzaga, take away their big guys. Now, they play Gonzaga twice a year? They do. How'd they do the first time? Not well at all. So they changed their game plan? Uh, I, I think that they, they yeah, they had more success with it. I don't know well, how, how much they, more success. I don't know how much they changed it, but they, they hadn't. But when you say they had a great game plan, then wouldn't that be applicable to the first game? Yes. So what, what St. Mary's game plan was uh, and what everybody's game plan is against Gonzaga is to try to take away – Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren. They're, they're two big men who are the two best players on their team and make the outside guys beat you. And in the first game, they did. The, the, the shooters for Gonzaga had their way. In this game, they just couldn't make a shot. So and It's a make or miss league. I've heard that. Go ahead. I've heard that. So, uh, But here's the deal. If you do like that to happen, if you think what St. Mary's did is repeatable, you can get them at plus 500. But McKenzie and I did some some math today. Because they've only St. Mary's only has to win two games to win this tournament. One of them would be over Gonzaga, obviously, but the other one would be over Santa Clara, minus two hundred in that game. You're probably looking at a pay, a payout on a money line parlay of about plus fifteen hundred. Because remember, St. Mary's was a ten point dog at home. Now in a neutral site, they'll probably be a 13, 14 point underdog. So, so, so three, four points for home court. Yeah. Okay. So. And that converts to about 15 to 1, you're saying? Yeah. Well, that, that, listen, that's a great example of the mechanical parlay. So what's a mechanical parlay? Is you make each bet separately and in sequence. And maybe I should rename that because it's a mechanical sequential parlay. I don't know. On a linear plane. I don't even know what that means. But here's the thing is... If you take that money and roll it over, roll it over, you will oftentimes do better than the price because, again, they take so much commission, as we've talked about a lot, rightfully so. Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. The hold in these pools can be, you know, 40%. And it's hard to see because there's no, you can't buy, you can't fade it. You can't say no to any of the teams. Because if so, AJ would say no to South Alabama. Yes. Now, what's the downside of a mechanical parlay? Well, one, and this is one that's not often talked about, 
is if the act of the team winning the first game or two affects the odds on later games to the point where they're getting upgraded drastically, then you want to kind of get all the money bet before the run starts. Usually, though, that's not big enough of a, a fact to counteract the dastardly hold percentage that is in the, the bigger pool or these kind of pools, future pools. So, but in this case where there's only one, St. Mary's is going to win one game, which they're going to be favored in. So there's going to be no reevaluation. Right. So this is a great example of a mechanical parlay. I love it. In fact, I might tweet about this. My uh, Twitter is RJ Askamu Boo Boo Jew Hoobie Boo. Um, that, lying's not funny. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait see, they, what, it was, it's not the lying isn't funny because it's a lie. It can't alone be funny. Now, that was called a callback. Gotcha. You, you, Amen, you, brother. Yeah, you familiar with that? <laughs> you familiar with that? All right, anyway, I think I might tweet on this, but I won't tweet anything except what I just said, so I won't necessarily talk about my Twitter. Now, his Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Mackenzie, thanks for pushing that button. I, I didn't choose that, but okay. <laughs> in general, do you like mechanical? I mean, like, like, give me one of the picks you had. Uh, your best bet was Chattanooga. Like, do you think a mechanical parlay is going to look better there? I mean, you can project it out, right? You can, but they're they're because this one's really easy because. St. Mary's would only have to play two games. No matter what happens, that's the most amount of games they could play in this tournament. So there's less variance as to what teams, what kind of lines you could be looking at. You know, Mackenzie, here's what I want. Let's take the um, all the tournaments and then do it after it's over, but like uh, almost immediately after it's over, or maybe even before the finals and just give me the two contingencies is uh, let's just look at every conference tournament this uh, year and, and compare the, the we now have, at least for these tournaments, we have the shop consensus price, and then we'll compare it to the consensus money line. I like that. And then we can just do a comparison. And see how often a mechanical parlay would yeah, pay more. Yeah, I bet it's going to be almost always. I bet also. Does that sound good, Mackenzie? I like it. I'm on it. All right. And that's something you can maybe give to Mark or Sleepy, whatever you want. All right. So um, continue. That's about all I've got on. Like I said, so Gonzaga I, in the main tournament, uh, they're the favorite, right? They are the favorite. They're the, the favorites to win the national championship. So we're going to segue into a snake draft that you did with Griffin. Yeah, yeah. It's Ricky Schroeder. Yes, as I like to call him. It, Dakota Prescott. Did he grow up with Dakota Prescott? I don't think so. All right. It sounds like he could have. I I don't know. First though. And boy, by the way, I've been on the no, I haven't been on the pod since the Super Bowl because uh, there's only been one week, or how, I can't remember. Well, you've been on the pod since then. I only missed you one. You only missed week, one show. I, I know, but was the but Fe, oh Fez missed it because his friends were in. Yep. Yeah. Okay. The reason I was asking is I just wanted to tell all those out there that we broke the record for no package in the history of pregame ever sold more than Fez's. Super Bowl prop package and a lot of the new, you know, incremental overage that just blew the record out of the water came from the pod. So I really appreciate it. I mean, like, obviously you want, again, one. I mean, Fez was celebrating for Everybody days. appreciates it. Yeah, but but it's like it goes to show you that I don't ask, you know, and I wasn't asking anyone to do it. I was just saying, hey, consider it. And the fact that you guys did and trusted Fez with it, I mean, obviously his streak was amazing. 
but I do appreciate that. Now, what I got to say today actually doesn't cost you money. It makes you money. <laughs> Where's that hat at? Okay, so we're doing one of our... You want to hear something? I had a couple hundred bucks here. Fez paid me a settle up on, on some bets he was putting in for me. And I'm looking at it, and it has Denver over seven and a half. Denver under nine. And I, have, and I eat the VIG. I mean, they, I had two numbers to hit. One for, uh, you know, decide it and one to, to scoop it. And, I don't, and, and, I, and they're sitting right there. They lost their last two games, didn't they? Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. They were heavy favorites before that last three games to get that eighth win. I hate Teddy Bridgewater now. You should hate Drew Locke. No, I'm happy he got hurt when he didn't know. <laughs> walking with a limp but then you know what else was the big loser that only brought it down to this pittance notre dame for 2000 to make the freaking Ugh. that was a bad beat if there ever was well not if there ever was one but that was a sweet bet all right i like it when i'm mad about winning a little bit yeah that's not there's worse things amen brother <laughs> all right all right, right. <laughs> we're gonna start editing that out but we don't edit all right continue uh, you want to get in the snake draft? Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Oh, I got to do the ad. Though. Yeah. Okay. All right. Your joke just threw me off. All right. Here's the deal. You have to make at least 50 picks. <laughs> and your max is 100. The min is 50 picks. The max or maximum, some would call it, 100. Okay. So let's think about this. Today is what? The second or the third of March? Today is the th third. Second. Second. Tomorrow's the third. So Thursday the 3rd, right? Correct. Okay. So you've got till the last day of the regular season is April 10th. So you got over a month. You got five weeks or so, a little bit more. In five weeks, you got to make 50 picks. So let me do the math. That's 10 picks a week. Not bad, right? Because you can bet sides or totals. So you can bet every day. You can bet some days. You got to do at least 50, no more than 100. And the contest has already started. There's no delay. It started like a day or two ago. But it ends on the 6th. The entry ends. If you try to enter on the 7th, just imagine you went to the dry cleaner and it says closed. And you're looking, you're squinting in, right? You're trying to see if you can see anyone in there and you're going to knock and go and, and like mime something to them. Someone's in there, but they're just, they're going to pretend like they don't hear you knocking. And they shouldn't because you should have followed the rules. I know you don't like rules, but... The hours were clearly posted. Exactly. Don't let that happen to you. All right? Sign up. And you know what? You know what you're risking? Nothing. You know what your upside is? A nickel. Yeah. Think about that. And there's some other prizes, second half, whatever. Or, you know, I don't know. Oh, top five prizes win. That's not exactly the way to say it. The top five places win. That's right. Prizes. 500 cash for first. Are they giving away even more... I keep telling them less cash, less cash. They, it's like right, it's like not our money, and they just write the check. It's like the food in there. I know. I'm seeing a trend. <laughs> Gotta get control of this place. All right, AJ's come in and he's like a, a Trojan horse. Who knows what's gonna happen next? That's it. Go to pregame.com, click contests. You'll see the NBA second half, and it's a freebie. All right, let's do it. The snake draft. So real quick. You guys picked how many? Six each. 
Okay, and it was based not with any consideration of odds? No. It's like if Who's going to win the tournament? Yeah, okay. Now, what did you guys bet? Uh, he's coming in town in the summer, so we bet a steak dinner. God, that's wimpy. You should have bet like a nickel. I mean. It, or a big nickel. What's that's a big nickel? how much a steak dinner Five costs down. for AJ. No? At the nice places? Uh, it can get up there. I'll show myself now, that. Now, here's the thing. I think that joke could have worked. If it would have been about like you being a hefty dude, because you, I mean you're not a hefty hefty dude, but you're you know you're what you're five plus size. You're five eleven. I'm six three. Uh, and, and and how how heavy? About two fifty eight. Yeah. So yeah, I mean if, about. If you were a normal, if you were a normal dude, meaning you look at him and think, oh, he's in pretty good shape for like you're forty one, pretty good shape. That let's assume you were that, you'd be what two forty five. Yeah. So yeah, forget about what you what you fought. At, in MMA or whatever, like you're not going to be like like walking around with a, a, a trash bag in the summer and a toboggan and having a heat stroke is, you know, so you're like maybe eight pounds of a little bit around the stomach. Yeah. That's all. But that's why it's funny because if you were a big fat guy, it wouldn't be as funny. If Mackenzie would have said, well, considering the It would have just been mean. Yeah, considering the way AJ eats, I think 5,000 is a good over-under for it. You know, it could have worked, but it still wasn't good. You know why? Because he was deflecting after we just talked about him eating all your food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a, he's a weird dude. I can see why his family doesn't like him. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Was that not... Was that, did I say this quiet thing out loud? Like Krusty the Clown, you did. <laughs> Do you, does your mom like you? I think she's the only one. I think she has to convince everybody else to let me let me come home. Have for you ever walked in on them and they all just got quiet, <laughs> <laughs> like at Christmas and stuff? No comment. <laughs> no, actually, Mackenzie, he he is probably the guy on, that most irritates me that I like the most. Meaning, a lot of people have irritated me over the years. Oh my god, but. He isn't even high on that list. He's just right in the middle of that list of the irrit- the all irritating team. That will be my book. That that <laughs> that one. He's in the middle of the list, right? But he's amongst the people I've been fondest of. So you know, and that's you know, it's hard to see why that would be. But you know, it, it, it's his earnestness. He really wants to do a good job. Yeah, so there it is. If you had a son, would you do you feel like that's how you would treat him the way the way you interact with McKenzie? Is that that's like- why I don't have a son? <laughs> no, honestly, as we were contemplating, it was like, you know, I think I told this story, but I said, here's the deal. Now, by the way, anyone that wants to use this, feel free. Tell me how your wife would have handled this, AJ. I said, I'm fine with having kids, I'm fine with not. I said, but here's the deal if we do. I'm coming in with 100% of the financial contribution. Don't worry about money. That's covered. I'll do 10% of the parenting. Okay. Now, let's do some simple math, as I explained it. There's 200% to be done. I'm doing 110. You're doing the majority. A majority. I won't throw it in her face, is what I said. But that's it. (laughs) I don't have kids. She passed. She passed. She passed on that <laughs> offer. But let me ask you, is that a bad offer? Because when you're doing 100, it's how screwed up this world is. 110 percent is not enough out of 200. Now, remember that I provide 100 percent financially for mine. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you need a better agent. I'm also asked to do more than 10 percent. Exactly. So you. But, but, but doesn't it doesn't it seem maybe perhaps 
you're getting the bum out of the deal. Maybe I, know, so. I know you love your kids. But now I'm in saying, hindsight, yeah, I would get uh-huh, it. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, take it, run with it. <laughs> and it, if anyone, listen, listen. If any, <laughs> if anyone actually pulls this off and can have the the girl come on and agree that yes she agreed to it we will give you like a 20 minute segment we'll do it on the fox (laughs) radio show too it will be like all every channel will be on so go with it i'm gonna change life it's a good deal and that kid's gonna hate me but i'll be dead probably deal and that's your problem Okay, we've had a second time shift. It was my fault this time. It was my fault the first time. I was going to say, when was it my fault? It was more <laughs> my fault even this time. And it's good, but we it's if you don't like, listen, the next 20 minutes we talk about Led Zeppelin. If you don't like music. The Stone. But listen, some people don't gamble. They just like That's me, true. AJ. That's true. I mean, one day you might have those kind of fans. No. I think so. If you learn. No, but all joking aside, is it is a music discussion. If you like Zeppelin or know of them, want to know about them, Stones, Beatles, the little Beatles, and then Pink Floyd. And then we play a Floyd song. No winners, though, from here on. Be forewarned. Okay, so what team were we on? We just time shifted again. What team were we on? We just did Kentucky. All right, no, so do you let force bet again, 7-1? to one. No, pass. So you're saying you're going, you're fading them. I would fade them. Okay, why? Uh, because I, I worry that with if Washington has an off night, something like that, that their offense just – there's not enough guys that can run that offense, that can, that can win with that offense. Next team. Arizona, who is basically Gonzaga light. Uh, the, the coach from Arizona was the, an assistant under Mark Few in Gonzaga for years and years, took this Arizona job, hit on some great freshmen – and they've got four freshmen and a sophomore in their starting lineup. Uh, they're great down low. They've got an All-American on the wing with Benedict Matherin. This is a very dangerous team. They, they play good defense. They can score. Uh, they dominate in transition. So Arizona is a team that I really like. Now, does that coaching situation is it advantage Pew or? Pew? I would guess. Is- I would guess that the you know I tend to lean with the. Uh, the, the master over the pupil. So I would say, yeah, probably Mark Few with an advantage. But there's a lot of talent on this Arizona team. I don't know how much of it sticks around uh, for, for next season, but if they, if they have another year together, boy, they're going to be something. But plus 750, fade or, or follow? I'm, I'll have some sprinkle on Arizona. So you, you think it's battable at 750? I do. So you're going to bet both Gonzaga and Arizona? I'll bet, a, I'll bet light on Gonzaga. Okay. Or not, excuse me, light on Arizona. So right now, your best bet so far amongst these favorites would be the Zags. Yeah, it would be Gonzaga. So you're on a favorite. I'm on a favorite. Shocker. Okay, continue. Uh, fourth in the in the, I guess after Arizona, you go to Auburn, Purdue, Duke, Kansas. Griffin drafted all four of those teams. They're all twelve to one. But not all at once, right? No, they, it, the way the draft works. All right, yeah. so tell me the team you like best and, and, and like least. Uh, I like Duke the best in that group. Uh, it's. It's Coach K's last year. Coach K's last year. You expect them to have a uh, a, a big year. They've got uh, a young freshman in Bancaro who's you know he's been up and down, but superstars win tournaments, and he's a guy who could take over in a tournament setting. Uh, beyond that, Purdue. I, I like Purdue a lot. I don't think defensively they're good enough to win a tournament, well, then though. You don't like them in this spot, then. Yeah. So you would fade them if you had to lay twelve hundred to win a hundred. Yeah, I'm, I'm not looking at Purdue to win the tournament. Now, by the way, do you think Coach K getting calls is going to be? Because I hear a lot of people talking about that. I, I wouldn't bet against it. I, I mean, I, I think it's entirely possible. Okay. I just don't know if his team 
at its best is is good enough that they like if if they're at their best and Gonzaga's at their best, I don't think a couple calls here and there are going to make a difference. Well, what I heard was this though. I heard that when Duke gets up for a game, they just beat Gonzaga, didn't they? They did. Okay. So how is it that they oh, that wasn't the best of Gonzaga is what well, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's always going to be an excuse. But my point is what I've heard is Duke when they are up or as good as anyone, they just are flat. As Front far runners. As they shouldn't be flat. Yeah. So isn't the tournament a time you know they're not going to be flat? They are not going to be flat. This feels like an NBA team that's got more upside than the record. Yeah, the, all of the losses that Duke's had this year, like they beat Kentucky, they beat Gonzaga. That's the two best teams they've played all year. Well, it's the two best teams in the country. Yeah, their, their losses, they, they lost uh, to Ohio State on the road, which no shame in that. But their other three losses, Miami at home, so what was the line in those games? I mean, what I'm saying is they were like double-digit favorites and all. Uh, they were. I think they were probably about eight in the Miami game. Yeah. They lost in overtime at Florida State, and Florida State's bad this year. Yeah. And then they so lost. What I'm saying is when they're up, they're as good as anyone. Yeah, and then they lost at home to Virginia, who's Virginia's not a tournament team. So three, three of their four losses are probably to non-tournament teams. But doesn't that mean that there's an opportunity here? Yes. So you like Duke. I do like Duke. But you just said you don't think they're good enough to win it. I don't think they're good enough to beat Gonzaga if Gonzaga's at their best, but certainly— But now you're qualifying it. You didn't say if Gonzaga's at their best. No, I didn't. I, I just, I'm, so, I'm so convinced that Gonzaga is the team to beat. How much of this is you chasing last year? Probably some. Because, I mean, you really were going I was. on a limb. All right. Any, any, is there any team—so what we talked about here was— Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona, Auburn, Purdue, Duke, and Kansas. Now, Baylor 14 to 1. Now Baylor's gotten healthy, right? They're getting healthier. They've they lost uh everyday John, they call him JTT. I'm not gonna try to pronounce his last name, Chachua, I think, but it, they lost him for the season. Uh he was an important guy for them last year. He's important for them defensively. Um, so and he's not gonna he won't play in this tournament. So, so but no so not healthy enough to win it. I don't think so. Fourteen to one, would you fade or I'd fade. Okay. Uh, and then it's a drop to 25 to 1, UCLA, Villanova, et cetera. Now, what's this I hear about Villanova in the home court? Like, they didn't play at the Spectrum or they didn't play at one of the venues because they wanted to keep it viable for them to be in the East or something? Are you familiar with this? I, I'm not familiar with that, but Villanova uh, does play mul- at multiple venues in so Philly. Do me, supposedly, they usually play like like 12 games at a certain place, but they could only play three and still be viable to be in the East. Mackenzie, can you look that up as we're talking? Yep. They they play at Finneran, which is their on-campus site, and then they play at the Wells Fargo Center, which is the big arena there in Philly. Okay. So we'll find out. Okay. Um, is there any team that we haven't named? So, like I said, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona, Auburn, Purdue, Duke, Kansas, Baylor. After that, is there any team that you think – is there a long shot that you might take a flyer on? Villanova was – they were my fourth pick in this snake draft. What? Yeah. Wow. So there's – Wow, there's eight teams ahead of them. You had them four. Uh, so th- there were six teams taken. The oh, t- so you had them as a seventh. Okay, yeah. all right. So do, would you take Villanova twenty-five to one? I, I yeah, I'm, I'm going to have some sprinkle on Villanova. I, they've, they're a well-coached team. They're a team that is getting better as the season goes on. Um, they they, they are South Alabama. South Alabama, I would not sprinkle anything okay, on them okay. to win the big tournament. But yeah, I mean, anytime you've got a guy like Jay Wright, you feel like, and it's kind of the same thing with Coach K. Like you feel like when you've got a coach like that, you've got a, a good shot. Okay, um, is there anything about COVID, the uniqueness of this year, 
that is if it's travel is there anything that if you're a handicapper that let's say you've handicapped the tournament a lot but you didn't handicap this season what would you have to know it seems like some players have been their games missed you're gonna have to go back and and make sure what the roster was like on a given game maybe what else would you say you gotta pay, uh, pay special attention i would certainly say that if a team has had a COVID pause you're probably better off now. Like if if they missed you're rested or no, if they missed a week early in the mm-hmm. season because they had some massive outbreak or missed two weeks, the likelihood that they're going to have a second outbreak is a- almost none. Mm-hmm. Now, are, are they even? Is anyone testing anymore? It's like no. It's like I, it depends sudden, on what state you're in. All of a sudden, the science got different. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, okay, uh, anything else? Tip wise, I mean, obviously we're going to get into this, and it's two weeks away. But anything else? No. All right. So next week on the Wednesday pod, we'll, you know, you guys are going to be doing the Sunday night, um, out Monday morning. We'll do the Wednesday as usual. I'll, you know, if there's any mistakes, I'll correct you guys. We got a pick from Dave Astler. First, though, let's do a little NBA talk with Mackenzie. Mackenzie Rivers. His initials are MR, Mister, Mister Mackenzie Rivers. You see how I'm doing that, Mackenzie? I like it. I like the brand. I bet you like it. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about the Sixers. Right now on Wednesday night, 7.55 Pacific, they're up 10 with eight minutes left. Uh, the Sixers are laying 10.5 against the Knicks. This would be a third straight win. They looked uh, – I, I leaned Minnesota that first game. They killed him. Harden looks like he's lost a bunch of weight. It looks like he went through some kind of fast. He's proven himself, AJ. You were the biggest skeptic of Harden. He's got so much talent. It's like he can do anything. Except win a championship. He's, his career's not over. Again, I He'll ne- I said this in Houston and I stand by it still. He will never win a ch- you'll never win a championship if James Harden's your best player. Okay. And he doesn't even have a chance to this year. Doesn't matter. Is he's a top ten? I mean, how good is James Harden? Where's his this year? Not for ten years from now. The James Harden we're seeing now. Where's he rank? He ranks fifth at the worst. McKenzie. Yeah, at the worst. I mean, it could be this. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's better than the Joker. He's better than LeBron. I don't know. LeBron's playing really well. Is he still ninth on your list? I don't think LeBron's <laughs> been playing that well. I mean, they keep losing. To bad teams. Well, I mean, if it, it does bring up an interesting point, is you got to appreciate the NBA that when there's what doesn't matter how good one player is, they can be. I mean, even Jordan's Bulls barely made the playoffs, as, you know, some early years. Uh, but what I find fascinating is when they have both of their big two, the Lakers, how they aren't very good then. So usually, if you have Anthony, I mean, like think about it, how's Brooklyn been doing? Oh, I mean, I know they've had losing streaks. But when, when they had, like, Durant and Kyrie, they're really good. Forget Simmons, whatever happens there. And it's not like their supporting players are much better than the Lakers. How is it that they're like the Lakers are 500 with AD and LeBron in the lineup? That is an indictment. I don't know the answer to that question. They weren't so bad the last couple of years. They brought in Westbrook. It, you don't think it would upset the apple cart? You think they would just not play Westbrook that much if he was – Disturbing what they had, but five and sixteen against the spread. Well, I guess they're one and one after the break. So six and six and seventeen now with mm-hmm. AD and LeBron both in the lineup. But is it, hey, AD hasn't been in the lineup since the break, has he? 
No, it, it was one and one after LeBron came back. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Okay. So, um, do the net? Do the Nets still have like Lamarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond? Are those guys playing? Well, Drummond just got traded over, right? That was a trade they got from. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, now, Patty Mills, though, they've got. I think they've got Patty better depth. Mills, they've got better depth than the Lakers have. Well, if they do, it's because. It's because LeBron ran everyone with any talent out of town that didn't say Fair yes enough. or Fair whatever enough. the hell it was. I mean, you, you want to put together a team, put together the guys the Lakers ran off for LeBron. Yeah. Think about that, right, McKenzie? Who would be on that team? Yeah, Julius Randle, most improved player the year after he left the Lakers. Brandon Ingram, the most improved player in the entire league the year after he left the Lakers. Uh, Lonzo? Lonzo Ball, excellent season with the Bulls before he, before he got hurt. Caruso? <laughs> yeah, the list the list goes on I mean, and on. What I'm saying is Caruso's a, a good sixth or seventh man, right? Yeah, he's the Laker. He's the Bulls' most valuable non-starter for sure. Yeah, so he looked pretty good on that Laker team, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean they went from a, a top five defense the last couple of years to bottom five. But he wouldn't he wouldn't no kiss reason. the ring. Well, you yeah. keep, you keep a list, don't you, of the best NBA player? Because you got the list of the best of all time. You have a current list, right? Yep. Where's James Harden at on it? I'll pull it up. You think you'd have that one memorized. So, I mean, would you agree that Harden might be the most um, flexible? Uh, Let's just say this. If it's a skills competition, if you say, okay, go out there and run the point. You know, go out there in in, an isolation game. Go out there and, and distribute. Like, I'm not sure LeBron in his prime for sure could do all that better, but who else? I have James Harden sixth right now. So who's above? Steph Curry, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, and Durant. Okay, I accept that. I mean, Curry's a question to me. I mean, have we seen the last of Curry as an elite, elite player? Because, I mean, unless I'm mistaken, we're moving on two months now, right? Yeah, of, of poor shooting, 34% in January. I think you're seeing the effect of not having his right-hand man in Draymond Green. You know, 39% right around his, his league average on threes with Green. And since he's been gone, like I said, 34% would be a career low for Curry. Something you, something that I've been turned on to recently is how that the PER stat is so heavy, toward, like leans towards big guys. Mm-hmm. And I was looking up where Steph and James Harden were. 26 and 27 on that list. Well, look at Harden. Look at Harden last year because obviously he's been tanking. And again, that's an indictment, no doubt, right? But, Effort is always a question with Harden. Yeah, but he was 12th last year. Yeah, so I mean, here's my thinking. I I don't I hate guys that don't play hard and make millions. I really do. Like this is related. Now, listen, let's acknowledge if Ben Simmons has really got mental health problems, then one, you're crazy to, you're crazy to trade for him, but okay. The idea that they said, yeah, he's due back this month, March, and his agent pushed back and said, no guarantee. Do you hear, you heard that in the I news did. in the rain. It's like, like, talk about not conceding anything, yet keep paying him. Now, I, that's interesting. Are the Nets paying him? Because the Sixers weren't. Yeah, because he wasn't reporting for well, things. Is he reporting now? Uh, that's a good question. You would have to assume so. Well, I don't want to assume bench. anything. Sure. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, right? We don't have any idea, do we? I think tomorrow, look into that for tomorrow's show. I mean, I, that's curious. That is interesting, right? yeah. 
But but I'm telling you, the idea his agent felt a need to push back is no guarantee he'll be back this month. Yeah. I mean, player empowerment run amok. In the NBA, worse than anything. Yeah. Mackenzie's favorite sport, too. That's the weird thing. You think there's any connection? I'm sure. Can you hear me right now? No. No. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, Let's talk about the Suns because I believe there's a bet here. In fact, I'm going to make an impromptu best bet. So I'm going to lay this out with Mackenzie's help. You ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Entering the post-All-Star break. So coming back from the break. There was odds on who was going to win Phoenix's division. And the odds were Phoenix was minus 700 to win. Minus 800, yeah. Minus 800. And, you know, like Golden State was second and they were what? Seven to one. Okay. And obviously there's other teams that could win long shots. Now, since then, the record for Phoenix is one and two. And we're taping Wednesday night before Suns play the Trailblazers laying 11 and a half. Okay. And Golden State was, what was their record? 0-2 or 1-2? 1-2. Okay. So identical records. So, as McKenzie said in pre-production, quite astutely, I think, hey, odds got to get better for Phoenix because there's less games for them to catch up. And how many games is Phoenix ahead right now? Six and a half still. So now there's three less games. 20 games left in the season. Okay. So I agree with that. But... I don't know how much that should be because here's my point. And maybe with 20, it is that much. Oh, but here's my thinking. Golden State losing games just because they're they're losing doesn't tell us anything. Those games aren't any more important than the season's games because, yeah, they're more recent, so they're going to be a little bit weighted. But there's nothing fundamentally different about the team. In fact, if anything, Draymond's coming back. So this should be a better team moving forward than they've been the last 20 games, right? Agree, McKenzie? Yes. But Phoenix is playing their first games without Chris Paul, who will be out the whole rest of the regular season. The fact they went one and two in spots that they were, what, seven point? I know the second game, they were like a seven-point favor, right? Yeah, they were slight underdogs to the Jazz in the first loss. All right, so they're a coin flip and a seven-point favorite they lose. Doesn't that tell you more about this team going forward? Because this is the team going forward. These are their guys. These are their guys. And, And... Golden State, like you said, getting Draymond back. They could end up getting James Wiseman back. They could be a... a yeah, Wiseman, they haven't been able to integrate with this team. But let, let's just say Draymond is the guy. Sure. That, that, and he just said, Steph, the re- Steph struggles. Yeah. We'll see. It might be he's old. And, and he gave that big MVP push early and burn out. But we'll see. But what I'm saying is the odds jump from minus 800 to... Minus 1,800 now. That's crazy. I don't know. Unless I'm missing the math of those three games. I mean, it's, it's what, three out of 23 games? Now there's three less, so there's 20 games. I, I see the significance of six games to make up. I mean, or, or six and a half? Yeah. But if that's the case, if the Warriors had gone two and one and the Suns had gone one and two, would it be like 1,500? Because right now the take back is what? 1,100 on the Warriors. Yeah. So we would have gotten like seven to one. Now we're getting 11 to one. I think eleven to one is worth some money. It feels that way to me. Yeah. All right. Let's put a let's put a half a unit on it. Official. Speaking of that, let's do Dave Asler here. Then we'll uh, finish up. Mister Dave Asler, he's making a futures bet in the NBA. And someone, are you looking to fade it or is McKenzie? McKenzie's going to buck Diamond Dave. 
the guy who has won. Matty Holt tried to buck him. Matty Holt was lighter in the pockets after. I've just bet with him because I don't want to lose. Can McKenzie push the green button on Dave? I'll, Not across. I, I always no. Yes, I always cross bet Dave. Meaning anyone that wants to bet against Dave, I'll book it. Oh, okay. With no vig, I don't need any vig. Let's listen. I love and I bet the Chicago Bulls at plus one forty to win the NBA Central. They have a two-game lead over both the Bucks and Cleveland right now, and the Bucks going forward have the most difficult schedule according to team rankings. And they play Chicago three more times, two times in Chicago. The Bucks have only eight of twenty remaining games at home as do the Bulls, and the Bulls have a difficult stretch in March, but they'll be favored in seven of their last eight games and are at home for five of their last six. The Bucks have a similar stretch mid-month of six road games. They'll be underdogs in five of them. Chris Middleton says the Bucks don't care about the regular season, and they're not catching Miami for the number one seed in the East. The Bulls can catch Miami, although I doubt they will, but to them, the regular season does matter, so I bet them plus 140, to win the Central Division. Okay, so in Rocky Three, Mr. T, when he was beating up on Rocky, he goes, got a lot of more, got a lot of more. <laughs> the water's warm, Mackenzie. You want to press a button? Yes, I will take the Chicago Bulls. Don't win the NBA Central, minus 140. Well, hold on, hold on. You know it's not minus 140, right? Is that a no-vig line? The no, that's not a no-vig line. Yeah, it isn't, is it? Okay, so... What's, what's the number? The number's going to probably be uh, 170. Uh, that, a 30-cent line's fine there, so 170, and we're going to split it. So it'll be 155. Okay. Right, Mackenzie? Yes, that sounds fair. Okay. All right, so it's 300. So let's see, I'm booking... So I got the... Oh, I got the plus money. So it's going to be 300 to win, what, 470? Or yeah. no, 465. Yes. Right? Plus 155. Yep. Exactly. What do you think, AJ? I'm not educated enough to, to, to make a... All you got to know is Diamond Dave. Okay. He's called Uncle Dave by some. Right. But he's Diamond Dave. Some people... I, I haven't heard anyone call him Uncle McKenzie, but it'd be weird if they did. <laughs> yeah. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Dave Astor, you can see him, follow him on Twitter. Or just go look at his tweets and see if you like it. Dave underscore Esler, E-S-S-L-E-R. I'll buy him lunch when he wins me this bet. I like the Bulls, actually. Um, Bucks a game and a half out. Cavs three games out. That's the only two that have a shot. I think the Cavs are fading. I mean, I'm impressed by him. I think Mobley's great. Plus 140. This is sweet. Here's the thing. Milwaukee's really hasn't been focused on, like they had two amazing regular seasons. It feels like to me there's going to be some shuffling to try to, I don't think Milwaukee's necessarily looking to, I mean, think about if you hit the gauntlet and you have to play like Boston in the first round, who's been as good as anyone in the new year. Then you have to play like Brooklyn. And, and again, I don't know. And then Philly, like it, you could have to play, because no one knows, like there's, it's so congested. It's so tight at the top of that conference. I it's... just wonder, is you know what was going to be fascinating is if the mass thing didn't get revoked, that that it might be that the Brooklyn wanted to be on the road because they wanted more games. That kind no, of makes sense. Bigger than the home court in theory. Um, I'm not sure that's true, but okay. What do you count as home court? I'm hearing two, two and a half now uh, in the NBA. What do you? Do? I've been using two. Okay. 
So I, I think there's going to be so much jockeying late because of Brooklyn being where they – I mean, they're going to want to get in, into six, right, if they can because they don't want to have to do a play-in, obviously. But other than that, I think there's going to be a lot of people looking at everyone else saying, how can I slip in and avoid some of these monsters? Because you want to play Cleveland or Chicago a lot more than any of these teams, or Toronto. Yeah, Jesus you God. want to avoid the Heat. You want to avoid the Sixers, probably. Heat, you want to avoid- I think you want to avoid, but it's... And, I think Heat you want to avoid in the first round. Yeah. If you get Heat in the second round, you're probably fine The Bucks, the Celtics, you want to avoid. I mean, because let's be honest, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn are monsters. I mean, the, the, in any given year, this could be the best team in the league, any of them, especially if Harden keeps going here. They're up 10 with, uh, I guess, the thing stopped. What's the updated uh, score on that Sixers game? They ended up winning by 15. Okay, another cover. Harden, champion. Now wait to the playoffs. Strip club champion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's why I like this especially. I think Chicago's more motivated. Milwaukee's looking to win another title. It's almost like the Phoenix bat all over again, AJ. But Mackenzie, uh, and so, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with any of of your Esler's point as far as Chris Milton even said. We're not really focused on the regular season because we know it's at stake. I just think if you look at the Bulls, the fact that they have a scoring margin that's like, if you look at the Pythagorean theorem, they should be five games worse than they are right now. Instead of thirty nine wins, they should have thirty four. I think if you look at the strength of schedule, I just don't think they're as good as the Bucks, and they have a similar gauntlet down the road. I don't think they're going to ha- hold on to that lead. I've only made one NBA bet this season. It was based on Fezzik's information mm-hmm. about the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the All-Star break, I bet them over their win total for the rest of the season. And a lot of it was because the Grizzlies' schedule down the stretch is just mm-hmm. – it, it's it's easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, who's got the easier schedule? Between, even, he thinks. Well, they have the first and second hardest schedule. The Bucks Ooh. technically have the hardest schedule entering today. Yeah, but it's first, second, it's a coin flip. To me, it's – and how many games are is Chicago up? Game and a half now. Yeah, that's yeah, that seems. And now, if they tie, do they have a tie? They don't play a game, right? So that's a tiebreaker. Yeah, they have a tiebreaker, and they play each other three more times. Okay. Yeah. So hell, if Chicago wins that first one, Milwaukee might just pack up the tent. <laughs> That'd be nice if it was like a like if we have this locked up with like a week left. I can harass him the whole time. So you're saying, like if Giannis's head fell off, you just no. I'm not. <laughs> listen, that's other people wish ill on people. I don't. okay. I, I thought wish- you did that earlier in the podcast. But it was ironic. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. And I was wishing ill retroactively. Right. Okay. All right. Fair. All right. Anything else? Amen, right. brother. You might think this is over, <laughs> but we got two time shifts. And I guess if you want to understand about life and music and love, keep listening. If you don't, see you Sunday. Remember, so- oh, we have a coupon code. It's all, it's, it's, the coupon code is March. That's the coupon code. Uh, I say make them a little more complicated. March. Tom's idea. Uh, that sounds right. <laughs> March. Yes. M-A-R-C-H. All caps. Let's say 20% off one time use. Use it wisely. AJ, you're going to have, do you have your, um, package up yet for the uh, all of the tournament or anything? You got like a season? I don't have one. It's going to be soon. There is an end of season. Yeah, rest of season package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. AJ, no, listen, you heard today. He knows his stuff in college basketball and college football. March, coupon code, one use, 20% off. Life and love, music, all that stuff coming up. All right, so this is um, Mackenzie. Just saw Donnie Brasco last night. I had chicken wings for dinner. 
Oh, basically, the wife-husband struggle throughout the movie. Okay. Which don't, I, don't I bring home in the checks? That's not a husband. <laughs> so... Johnny Depp sounded like that? Yes. That, that's not us. It sounds like community theater. Okay. Um, Donnie Brasco's awesome. Yeah. It, it, it's probably the most underrated mob movie there is because it was really seeing the lower level of the mob. I mean, he was a guy that couldn't make his, his, his vig, that he owed other bookies. I love it. I love it. All right. Oh, you don't tell don't tell your wife if you end up renegotiating no, no, that no. I'm the source of it. Okay, I won't. She there's only about three or four women to scare me. She doesn't scare me, but she actually makes me get really aggressive. Because you can only deal with people like that with aggression. <laughs> you know that, right? No. Oh well, I guess that's a total capitulation. That's the move. <laughs> it could be like England at Munich. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I ride the wave, man. It, <laughs> I mean, you're strong. I mean, I'm not physically, yeah, but you're a strong-minded dude. I mean, I am. <laughs> well, you're I not pick, supposed to say I that. I pick my battles. I, what I'm saying is imagine how tough the woman is that she's got you cowering. Yeah. <laughs> now, your kids are going to be probably pretty tough, you got to hope. I would hope. I mean, just genetically. I would hope. But th- you should know this. Don't tell her because it won't work then. But I get extra because I start picking on her. Okay. You see that. Yeah. Because... If not, if someone else is getting picked on, it could be me. And that's not going to work. I don't like that. Whenever there's a bully, I get aggressive with them. Okay. That's why I'm out with Mackenzie. You think Mackenzie's a bully? Oh, at his heart, he is. Really? Think about when, all joking aside, whenever he's been in a superior position to someone. Now, once they completely, like an ape that goes down and puts his chest, like flops on his back and says, I don't want to Shows fight. his belly? Yeah, yeah. He'll then groom them into something else who knows what it would be if they ever stuck around <laughs> but <laughs> but but he'll start to groom them almost like in lord of the flies oh no uh animal farm like getting the yeah. dog. remember the dogs yeah. were getting fat yeah right Mackenzie? sounds about accurate but when it's competitive oh my god but he's a little ahead Oh, he crushes him. He'll like he'll like throw him under the bus, but right or wrong, right or wrong. It's, there's been he's times a, he's a bully at heart. I, I didn't think about it that way, but uh-huh. I guess you're right. Uh-huh. The world's a lot different seeing it through my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're good. Go. All right, so our snake draft, we it, because they're such a prohibitive favorite. What we did was we had McKenzie pick an otter and even number. I let Griffin pick. He picked wrong, so I had the first pick. See, that's boring. What, what should we have done? done was start to negotiate how many first gets next what are you comfortable with? So whoever bids the lowest, so first gets next two would have been the lowest bid. Or the lowest bid could be, I don't care if I'm first, uh, you know, which would be stupid, right? So it either be first gets next two or first gets next three. If one of you would have been willing to accept first gets next two, but the other wouldn't, then that person would get the two, the, you know. So that way it's like, like an auction that makes sense. Now, it just would have been hard to explain on the fly, I guess. But it wouldn't have mattered. You could have said, hey, we did an auction on this. It's first gets next three. What do you think? Well, we could do the math on it. Yeah, first gets next two even. I'd rather have next two. Well, that's the way it did. So first got yeah, the second okay. and third so pick. So that's probably good. I, so I got the first and the fourth pick, and then I got the first, mm-hmm. fourth, fifth. So just a standard snake. I took Gonzaga first. With his next two picks, he took Purdue and Duke. Okay, well. He's not good at this. <laughs> You're going to kill him in this. 
Um, so Duke's 12 to 1, and uh, Purdue's 12 to 1. So above them, Arizona and Kentucky. My, f- my fourth and fifth picks. So you got two? Yeah, it's full full snick. So he got I get the I I got the first. He got the next two. I got the next two. He got the next two. You had one. You were evened out at that point, right? Women two two, and then you could have kept going. I guess. Well, you got the good end of this. I did. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I took Kentucky uh, or Kentucky and Arizona. He came back with Kansas and Auburn. Uh, let's go slow here. So let's back up and talk about these teams. Okay. Gonzaga's four to one. Let's say that you could buy. The no at minus 500, which is not enough big, but let's say. Would you bet minus 500 no or plus 400 yes? Plus 400 yes. So do you th- so is plus 400 yes a positive EV bet? I think it is. Uh, now, you were big on them last year. I was. Got disappointed. Got disappointed. Is it a better team this year? Oh, that's a tough call. Um, no, I don't think it is. How's the rest of the competition? Not as good. Okay. All right. Next team, so you were forced bat, you lean Gonzaga in the four to one range. Yep. Kentucky seven to one. What do you think of them? It's a lot. Di- it's way different than any Kentucky team Calipari's had because they're all transfer transfer older guys. But isn't it the same concept of the team having to become cohesive? That's what I realized recently. Is like you know we've we've thought about it as freshmen are going to you know gel as the season goes on, but. A bunch of transfers thrown together. It's maybe a similar thing. So I think so. I think Kentucky's a dangerous team. Uh, and I would also say that if it's freshmen, they're probably going to, uh, to use the word again, capitulate. With the older ones, they might buck more, but you're going to see if it's working or not, and it seems to really be working. It does. One thing that scares me about Kentucky is the, the one freshman that they have that's getting meaningful time is a guy named Ty Ty Washington, and he's been hurt a couple times, and when he's hurt, their offense is dreadful. It go it goes downhill in a hurry. Is he hurt now? He's not hurt right now, but he's been hurt at multiple points in this season. So if he gets banged up during the tournament run, it's important. Yes. And it's tie tie. Tie tie. How do you spell that? T Y T Y. Oh. Okay. It'd be cool if they would have spelled it different. Like T E I T Y E. Yeah, like T I T Y. T I T Y. It might have been good. I mean, I'd, I don't I'd be know. like a rapper name, but, but that rapper would have been too cool for Mackenzie's list. Probably so. Mackenzie, would you agree that you, you have a very poppy list? I was trying to be eclectic. I have like Rhymefest in there. He's like never been on a top 40 you list. You want to hear something. When I listen, and this is going to come up later in the time shift. <laughs> when, when, when I listen to the songs and this gal's laughing at him, <laughs> and then she goes, again, it's a white girl. She goes, well, I'll show you some rap. And then she's, you know, on Spotify, whatever. And this song's better than any song that he had on his 20. Damn. Dude, you got to make another list and, and destroy <laughs> all copies of that first list. Because I listened to mo- about half of them. They're all like songs you would hear in like a BW3s. Like if, <laughs> I mean, like, like seriously, it was like if you're B-dubs and it's like 1230 and you know, it was like maybe it's a Columbus. So there's only like maybe four black guys in the place. One of them gets the jukebox. Like you're gonna hear this, and he's mad that he has to play these songs because there's nothing better. It, Mackenzie, does it kill you that a white girl shamed your music? I mean, like that? Seriously. Now listen. No, there, it, no it, it goes to show you when you're in authentic because he knows a lot about this, and he's got an artistic temperament. So I think he probably has great taste in music. But it's whenever Mackenzie tries to outsmart. 
the situation. When he tries to be something that he thinks people want, he is horrendous. I mean, he, his personality is atrocious when that's the case. He's not, he's not authentic. But when he's authentic, he's a fascinating character. But someone, someone made him think that his truth wasn't good enough in that dark past of his. Who was it, Mackenzie? What was her name? <laughs> I'm not sure. But I, do, do, you, do you feel like your truth is good enough? I do. Then why do you fake it so much so often? That's a good question. I'm uh -huh. going to have to get back to you on that. And let's embrace, let's embrace the Mackenzie's, the truth of Mackenzie. You're going to make another. Uh, no, I'm going to ask you, would you make another list? And if he says no, I'll order him to. Would you, it's your discretion, would you make a list of what you really think are the best songs? Has nothing to do with popularity. Has nothing to do with who can consume this. Is it palatable for the Midwest? Yes, 100%. I had 20 songs that I took off the list. Some of that are my favorite songs ever. No so. one cares about that. We want to hear about this new list. So you actually produced a list of the best songs of the century that weren't, in your opinion, the best songs of the century. No, I produced a, a list of 40 songs of the best of the century. And then in selecting them, I said, I asked my friend, friend Obi, who has to be on this list? Who wanted a consensus? We wanted the McKenzie list. I'm the only person that can produce the McKenzie list. Exactly. I realize that now. That's the only thing you can do on earth better than anyone is be McKenzie. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> Same thing with you, AJ. Thank you. Me, I've got other talents. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> no, you're going to do I'm serious, though. Cause, and don't try to be extra obscure. If you like some of those BW3 songs, great. Just live, like, own up to it. Did you see this list? I did. Even you probably were laughing at it, right? I didn't laugh. I mean, I, I'm not as... Your uh, recommendation, International Players Anthem, as soon as you told me that, which was kind of a poppy song, I'm like, that has to be on it. That's a classic. Everyone remembers that. No one cares about... So, like, if I was making a list of the great, like, um, uh, Zeppelin song, or let's say Stone songs, I mean, I'd be going, like, like right off the go, Angie. You familiar with Angie? Mm -hmm. I just heard that recently. I got it on a playlist. It's the first playlist I ever made, by the way. Um... I mean, I used to make cassette tapes, and then I made uh, mixed mixtapes. Mixtapes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, no, yeah, mixtapes, and then I made discs. Yeah, yeah, there. CDs. Yeah, and then now, you know, playlist. Oh, I got some songs. Jesus, God. my I am so, I don't know how to say it, cool. <laughs> I mean, just all things considered, because I was thinking about it. Remember the joke I made on the radio where I said, um, it was a contractual point that I, when we were forced to play Christmas music, that I was getting, yes. I get to pick mine or I was going to walk. I really care that that music doesn't sound nerdy. I mean, I'm 51. I mean, it's like, how many 51 year olds even know what is nerdy? And I get, it. I'm not saying I can listen to today's music and, and say, oh, yes, that's great, or that's not. I, I can't name any of it. But within my sphere, maybe it's not anything except I care still, and most people grow out of that. But I just can't imagine, like, being like, that's too loud. You know, I, that I, I don't like the new music because I don't like, I like guitar. But is there a situation where it can be, um, like if, if you if, by saying oh, I'm too cool for this to be my favorite song, that you're missing out on a great no, song. No, you're right. It's like the contrarian. Because I like if you said what's your favorite Stone song, I would say it's "Gimme Shelter," which is probably one of the most popular Stone songs. But I just think it's a great song. I think there's a reason why it became so popular. I think when a song becomes popular, but not with the typical 
sugarcoating that poppy songs have. Like, Gimme Shelter is one of the hardest core. I mean, if you hadn't heard that before, it's a it's one of the most massive. Like the amount of sound, the 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 power of that for the time pre nineteen seventy. I mean, it was massive. It's just been in so many movies that now it feels like like Black Dog. Black Dog from Zeppelin off four is one of the most complicated rock songs ever. Like uh, Tom, who plays drums really well, he was in a band, you know, whatever. It, it, he says that he has trouble with Black Dog, and he's like a really good drummer. And so, and he says they couldn't play it live. It was so difficult. And I mean, they were good. This band he was in, you know, twenty years ago, and. But I'm so sick of that song that, that I just don't enjoy it anymore. So there is that sense of if you hear it a thousand times, it gets old and it's not fresh, right? And the irony is when you hear it 50 times, it, it makes you like it more. Almost every song you hear the first time, you like it more the 50th time. That's, I agree with Almost that. every song. And there's no movie that you can even like the 20th time. So what is it about songs that it gets better and better? And then it diminishes, right? Yeah. But in movies, it doesn't matter if you love them or not. You liked it the first time more. Maybe it could be the second time if it's a very complicated movie, but it's never the 10th time. I agree with that. Why? I don't know. Mackenzie, look that up. No. So, <laughs> What's your favorite Zeppelin song? Oh, God. Now, just one. Now, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this just to like shove it up your behind when it comes to what you were saying, but I'm going to say Stairway. Okay. Because even though that is the cliche... Stairway is probably the. I think there's something almost, you know, uh, Jimmy Page was into Alistair Crowley in a massive way, who was a, an occult guy. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, remember that drop I played, Wickedest Man in the World? Mm -hmm. That was about in a Crowley documentary. Okay. But um, he, uh, Jimmy Page actually bought his man, bought the house he lived in. It was a, like a, uh, what's that called? A castle. Right? Didn't they, did they record something there? Yeah, that, that documentary talks about it. Um, I can't remember. I think it was Zeppelin IV, actually. Maybe so. But um, here's the thing, though. I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know, when it comes to the occult, I, a lot of people are skeptics. A lot of people, I believe, now here's the thing. If you believe in God, then there's a devil, right? And if there's a devil, do, are we sure that, that there's no influence on earth? That, you know, I... I mean, again, what, what, what's our source books, right? Obviously the Bible, and people can say, I don't believe the Bible. But it doesn't seem beyond comprehension or beyond belief that there would be entities, right? right? And if so, it wouldn't be crazy that those could be contacted or taught, you know? So in possession, listen, you look at possession, like legitimate, you know, the Catholic Church, they've been scaling it back, but they've had dozens, if not hundreds, of exorcists. Yeah. It's a true thing. And and now, what is those phenomenons? I don't know. But it, it, it's kind of interesting, the idea that people act like things like spirits or whatever is crazy. It's like, I'm not saying I'm sure there's any of that, but I'm. I, it's hard to say you're sure you're, there's not. Sure. So Crowley was like probably the most talented occult practitioner ever. Or he certainly certainly the most famous. Yeah, he's the most famous, and all the rock people. You know, if you look at Zeppelin three on the first printing of the of the LP, on the inside of you know where the you know it's a record, and then there was that area right before the middle of it that you can't play it. It still was black though. Carved in there was Aleister Crowley's motto, which is "Do what thou wilt." And that is carved in the first pressing of Zeppelin three. I mean, he was into it that much. 
could it be that it's some kind of divine or not divine, anti-divine? Because Stairway to Heaven seems almost like it was a human didn't create it. It's like a perfect song. Like, how does that song get any better? I don't know. It's a great song. I mean, it's it's a perfect song. And it's like, it almost makes me think, like, like if there's any song you would say, that that divine or whatever, intervention, maybe the devil wrote it. You ever hear about the devil went down to Georgia? Yeah, looking for yeah. a stole to steal. Now, <laughs> one last thing. So, Stairway, yes. Now, what would be second for me? Boy, that's funny. I love Fool in the Rain. I mean, it's not, it's not... It doesn't have enough gravitas to even be in that conversation, but I think it's almost perfect. You know, Four in the Rain? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love... But that's the thing. You do, it doesn't have to have gravitas. If, like, if you think it's that great, then, I mean, that's... But, but great, if it's that great... See, that's what's interesting. I think there's two dimensions to this. How perfect is the song and, and the level of difficulty, right? Like, I don't think an acoustic guitar song could ever be the best song ever. It just, it doesn't have the chance to be the grandeur of, and that's why the greatest classical music is better than any rock, because when Mozart hits his high point, like, I think, I'm no expert in classical music, but Requiem, uh, his last piece that he didn't even finish, there's parts in that that, it's funny, because there were serious, like, like uh, the person who finished that was considered one of the great, I can't remember who it was, but it, it, one of the great composers of the time, and they don't know exactly where Mozart's ended and the person who finished it began, but you can hear, like, the energy, there's, like, this energy in Requiem, and then at the end, or as it gets towards the end, at one point it feels sucked out of it, and you can't even tell why. Right, because I mean, what do I know? Right, I, I can't re- even read music. But to me, I don't. Th- I think that this song has to be big, ambition-wise, to be great. Like, what, what, what's your best Zeppelin song or greatest Zeppelin? What is and what should never be. Wow, that's interesting. Now the music's very. I mean, the way they go real low. It goes slow. Yeah. And fa- I love that. I lo- uh, I love the chorus, the catch the wind, see yeah, a pl- spin. The, yeah, yeah, plant singing strong in that. Is that on two? Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, since I've been loving you, I love. It's a good song. Oh my God, his guitar and that, especially there's some live. Ver- I tell you, if you haven't seen any of the, like how the West was won in those live live concerts, unbelievable. But that's the other thing. Like if, if you if you're like oh like, you know when the levee breaks is is too. Oh, that's com- massive. That's a great song. But if like if, oh that's too commercial for me, that's when I don't well, take people we, seriously. How can when the levee breaks be commercial? Well, I just mean like it's it's too well known. Like I'd oh. rather I'd rather someone just say oh, it's a, yeah it's a popular song, but, but it's a great song. I agree with you that if someone's just being contrarian for the sake of it, they're just as limited as someone who follows the trends. But I think you can't help it if you've been overexposed to a song that you don't like it as much. Okay. Right? So I, I think there's two sides of that. Um, I don't like three as much as most people. Everyone loves it when acoustic and all that. I, I think one of the most overrated Zeppelin songs is the Immigrant Song. Okay. So I know I'm in the minority with that. Four, it feels like because it has Stairway that, that um, the rest of it's going to be fluffy. You know, it's almost like, oh, that's the cliche. Everyone, because the first time people get is always four. Right, because it's got stairway, and if you, if you as you start to become known, knowing Zeppelin, you're gonna know that, right? I remember WDVE out of Pittsburgh, which was one of the great stations in the country. Uh, uh, Cleveland had a great station. They had a guy named Kid Leo up there, uh, MMS, I think it was, and um, and WDVE was one of the top five stations in the country for rock. Right, when I was growing up, 
on Labor Day, is that the one? Labor Day is at the end of summer, right? Yeah. All right. So on Labor Day, uh, there was, um, they always do the top 200 songs over the whole weekend in the history of rock. So this was like maybe 1992 or whatever. And I still remember I was at a picnic and I was listening to it. You know, it's like Hotel California, you know, uh, Freebird. <laughs> it worked a great song. Yeah. And then this is how the, the guy, I, I've never been this cool on the radio. This is how the guy does the, the final one. He goes, and number one, once again, and you hear the, the first stairway. Yeah. Doo, doo, doo. It's like, how fucking great is a song that if, if it's the top 200 of all time and it gets, and once again, number one. I mean, yeah. Is this four your favorite album? That's interesting. I never would have thought that. I think it's one just because I love the blues. I know they ripped off. I mean, a lot of that's derivative, but it's just done very well. Yeah. Um, and Communication Breakdown really showed Good Times, Bad Times is a big song off of one. Now, here's another disputed thing I'm going to say. Physical Graffiti, which is the only double album, and it's an album, quite frankly, that is probably the most popular album amongst the hipsters or whatever hipsters that listen to Zeppelin. I mean, the people that care about stuff like it's too popular, they love physical because it's the grungiest. I think physical is overrated. I think it's, it's almost like Exile on Main Street, which I think is way overrated. I, and I've been ostracized from certain groups for saying that <laughs> because people love, because it's what they think the Stones should have been, but it was the Stones really making an album without any tunes in it. Like, what, what are the great songs on uh, Exile? They just like the ethos of uh, Exile. It's not, a, I mean, it's got some fine songs, but th th to compare it to the, like, Sticky Fingers is absurd. But it, it, Exile's widely regarded as, as like, the, the album. Yeah. yeah. People make albums like Exile on a Guyville or something where uh, there was a lady singer who was quite good, I can't remember her name now, that, that made a whole album that was, like, an homage to Exile. I mean, people even just say Exile because it's so popular. Yeah. I don't know. Tumbling Dice, I guess, that's is on That's a great song. It's, like, but probably the biggest like a, hit on it, right? That's like, I don't care about hits. I'm saying, what song would you put on the top 20 Stone songs? Would even Tumbling Dice make it? I don't think so. But maybe who? What else? Yeah, I'm Little looking at it. Is that that's on there, right? Uh, rocks off, rip this oh. joint, shake your hips, casino oh. boogie, tumbling dice, sweet Virginia, uh, torn and frayed, sweet black angel, loving cup. Loving cup's good, but I mean, we're like we go to sticky fingers. We're gonna time shift this. <laughs> go to sticky fingers. All right, let's see. Sticky Fingers, track listing, Brown Sugar, oh. Sway, uh, Wild Horses. Oh, my God. Can You Hear Me Knocking? That's that's good. You Gotta Move. That's good. Bitch. Oh, my God. Now, listen, that is an underrated song. It sounds kind of, you know, cheesy. You ever hear the lyrics to that? Yeah. Yeah. I Got the Blues. Oh, jeez. Sister Morphine, Dead oh my Flowers. God. Well, hold on, hold on. Sister Morphine. Sweet cousin cocaine, put your cool, cool hands on my head. I mean, they were lit. Go ahead. Dead flowers. Oh my God. And moonlight mile. Okay. Listen, you could have four exile on Main Streets, and it it can't compete with that. Yeah, I think Let It Bleed's better too. Read that. Put up, uh, put up the lyrics if you would to Bitch. All right. Look, give me shelter. Oh yeah. yeah. Love in vain. 
Huh. Country Honk, Live With Me, Let It Bleed, Midnight Rambler, You Got the Silver. Yeah, Midnight Rambler overrated. Too long. Monkey Man. That's good. And You Can't Always Get What You Want. Eh. Well, you know, that's that's a song that suffers for the, how often I've heard it. Um, okay. Now, check this out. Very few people. Now, check these lyrics out. Feeling so tired, can't understand it. Just had a fortnight's sleep. I thought it was full night. <laughs> I'm feeling so stuffed. I'm so distracted. Ain't touched a thing all week. I'm feeling drunk, juiced up and sloppy. Ain't touched a drink all night. I'm feeling hungry. Can't see no reason. Just had a horse meat pie. (laughs) And it says, when you call my name, I salivate like Pavlov's dog. Yeah, when you lay me out, my heart's beating louder than a big bass drum or bass. Bass drum. But he says bass. Yeah, he he does. "Uh Thank you. Scroll, please. I love the way he says bass. And it says, "You you got to mix it, child. You got to fix. It must be love. It's a... Bitch. Yeah, yeah, that's the chorus. Um, and then the last kind of couplet here says, Sometimes I'm sexy, move like a stud, like kicking the stall all night. Sometimes I'm shy, got to be worked on, don't have no bark or bite. But that's all right. But to me, when he's talking about I'm drunk, you know, the sloppy, but I ain't touched a drink on, it's like a great song. The vo- That's one of Mick's best vocals. And that's what, the eighth best song? Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? What about some girls? Real quick. Are right? you too? Are you like too cool for that? I, I don't even know. Like Beast of Burden? Is that like I a, love Beast of Burden. I do too. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I sing that sometimes if I'm drunk. So that's got Miss You when the whip comes down. Well, first of all, Miss You. Remember, we end our radio show with Miss You yep. the last minute always. Uh, just My Imagination. I don't even know that song. Uh, some Girls, mm-hmm. Lies, Faraway Eyes, res- right. Respectable, Before They Make Me Run, Beast of Burden, and Shattered. Shatter's good. Uh. Should do bad. Bite the big apple, don't mind the maggots. Yeah, stones are good. It's funny, I've grown out of the stones a little bit, but because that Beatles stones debate started back up, right? With the Beatles documentary. Mm-hmm. Have you finished it? I haven't. So that's a sign of something. I got pushed onto uh it's my uh my wife's not into it, so it's something I've got to watch by myself. And she controls things. Yeah. We've been watching uh a secession. So you're in what now? You're Season three. Like at, at uh, what point? I think the they've already There's only nine episodes. He's already spilled the stuff. I mean, I guess that's the end of season two. Where well, don't 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 give anything. But like, um, edit, edit, just tell me, and then I'll know. Where Kendall met with the other siblings, mm-hmm. and they all said we're with dad. And he was like, first, first it was Connor. He's like, get the fuck out. I don't oh, want so you. Like I don't three, want you. But three episodes. I think, yeah, I'm in episode three. I think. Okay. Okay, cool. Three, two, one. So what? Like early se- or, third episode? Second or third episode of season three. Okay. I, you know, it's so funny. It's hard. I haven't rewatched it, but I've actually rewatched season one and two again. I, you know what this show is to me? It's almost like Entourage. I used to watch Entourage as background music like like i don't when i love a show even if i watch the second time i like to be totally focused on it but entourage i would have on and then i would like go if i was doing something outside i walk out for a minute come back so because entourage is a fun show it it doesn't it's not a deep show true i know success well it had its depth you know but it's not something like you've got to follow every second to understand what's going on secession's tougher plus i've seen it you know like 10 times yeah i mean i love that is um 
Succession, I've seen so much now. I've seen each of the seasons except the last one at least three times that I can play it now and know what's happening. But then because whenever the dad talks, I'm just fascinated because there's two different scenes that he has, and you haven't seen one of them yet, where he talks in a way he doesn't talk at any other time. Like um, you saw when he was talking to Kendall after, like it was the beginning of season two, and they were out deciding do they sell or do they fight. Mm -hmm. And he got with Kendall, and they were kind of implying talking about suicide. He goes, listen, sometimes he goes, you know, it's something that gets in your mind. He goes, just, just, you know, it's understandable. You just, it was like he was being human in a way that, like, he never is. But then he looked at him. He was really uncomfortable. He said, good, then, and walked away. That was fine. But the two times that it was even more the case was when he was the last episode of season one when he was over in England with his, for, for Shiv's wedding, right? Mm-hmm. And he's talking to the presidential candidate in that secret meeting, right? Not when they confronted each other in public. And he goes, this doesn't give anything away. He goes, I hate being out of America too long. He goes, this is, they're so weak over here. And he's like, the mercilessness of it. I, you know, and it, he was just kind of like talking like he was... Like, like no one is the way he doesn't talk. Like no one was listening. Yeah, almost like he felt he could just tell his truth instead of like the way he's not telling his truth pretty much nonstop because he knows the world's going to screw him because if they see weakness, they do. And there's there's more of those scenes than you think. And Mackenzie, you've seen the final season, but when um, and I won't give anything away, but when he is having that meeting, that uh. Roman introduces him to? Yes. Roman's there. And then when he starts talking, there's the dispute about are they going to sell? And you can see him shift. And he starts talking. He said, the land of milk and honey, they had it by the balls or whatever. And then he said, and he gave it all away. Look at him now. It was like, it had nothing. It's like so unlike anything he ever says because it's so on. And in a way, it's weak because he's saying his time has passed. And, and, I thought that was one of the most powerful scenes. You remember that? Yeah, there's a definite switch and like like a, a fork in the road at that point. You can yeah. tell in his personality. It, it, it was almost as if when he decided. But again, part of me almost feels like that maybe in that case he did it because he wanted the other person to think. Because you could tell they cut the camera to the other person when he started. Right. And it was like it was like they were saying, like, oh, he's noticing this. But yeah. that, then it made me think that he did it to some degree to kind of trigger what was what was to come, you know, because he wanted to entice it. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not sure the writer's even thinking about that, right? I don't know. But anyway, what do you think? It's good. Just good, though. I, I, I what gotta... show's better? <sighs> I asked you this last time. You said that cowboy show. Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I think it's as good. Okay. You haven't watched. You can't say that. That's no. not it, like. But I, I've heard enough about it. They say it's it's a good for a soap opera, is what people say. What's uh, the name of it? Well, Yellowstone. Yeah, and I love Costner. I love. I'm gonna like. And I. Listen, I know you would like this. I like Dallas, but I don't think Dallas is the best TV show. You see one of my top TV shows. You didn't see Dallas list. No, I did not. But I I've watched Dallas more than any other. If you take all the hours I've watched Dallas. It's more than triple any other show. I've seen 13 seasons about nine. There's 13 seasons I've seen about nine times. Oof. Because it's been over like, you know, yeah, 25 years or whatever. 
Yeah. And, and, and honestly, when Mary moved out here and it was like, you know, we didn't know each other all that well. And I would watch Dallas every day because I would tape it. It was on like TNN or whatever. And I'd wa- and, she, and she said, she goes, I thought you were crazy. He's like, you were just watching this show from 30 years ago. <laughs> and it was like, she, uh, you know, eventually it, it, became, it, it became almost, you know how when you hear certain songs, it brings you back to a certain time. It's like, the, you know, maybe it's genetic to some degree. My mom, I think I told you this, she will put d- DVDs of Leave it to Beaver on, but continually play them. So she's not watching them. They're almost like the background, but it comforts her because it's from, you know, she grew up during that time, yeah. right? So it's like, oh, the beef, look, the beef, he, he dropped the, you know, he dropped his uh, piggy bank. <laughs> you know, it's obviously was a very innocent, or at least it was portrayed as a very innocent time in the 60s. And it's like, there's something about Dallas that feels like that's my time. You know, even though I was a kid. When, right. Yeah. But it was like, I guess it's, I was so, affa- I was really affected by JR. I mean, like as a kid. Yeah. Like he's your role model. Yeah. I would say my two biggest influences or my three biggest influences, Atlas Shrugged for sure. Uh, the libertarian elements of that, the book, um, the movie, you know, I actually like the movies more than most people. Uh, the Godfather book, which is. I don't want to say it's better than a movie, but it it because it's not. But it has so much more. Whatever you think you can learn from the Godfather movies, you can learn triple as much from the books. And they have extent. Puzo was a. This was an amazing book, and they have page after page of internal dialogue of Vito, the Godfather, thinking things through, and it was fascinating. Um, and then I'd say Jr. <laughs> and. That's the truth. And that probably got me through college, meaning meaning I still had that mentality. Yeah. Once I started my own business, you know, you start to – but I tell you this, there's been three or four times in really key points of pregame that I went into JR mode and and it maybe saved things because I have that mode. It's just, yeah, no one wants – I don't want to see it. It's, 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 it's bad. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope I never had to go back. All right. Anyway, so – what is your favorite? Oh, you said what is what can never be. What's your favorite Stone song? Give me shelter. Okay, give me shelter. Mackenzie, do you have any of these? Do you know Zeppelin? I know of Zeppelin and uh, of Stones. Stop. I won't. You don't know of you don't know like twenty Stone songs. No, maybe five, maybe. I'll make you a list. No one, <laughs> no one will make fun of that list, buddy. All right, all right. I last thing because we're in overtime here is. Is it me or Zeppelin? What bands don't sound dated? Meaning, like, if you listen to, like, Dylan uh, before Bring It All Back Home, it sounds dated. It's great songs, but it's, like, old songs. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think Zeppelin is the band that, after one, or after two, like, there's certain things on In Through the Outdoor and stuff that sound more modern. Like, like, they couldn't do them today. It sounds like it's too advanced for today. Not not just musicianship, but just the, the sound. Have you heard this band called Greta Van Fleet? I think you mentioned them. They 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 clearly style themselves after Zeppelin. And then I, I really dug it. And then they, somebody mentioned it to them in an interview. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's not what we're going for. And I was like, oh, you're so full of shit. Just admit Who it. Knows? But maybe it's a coincidence, too. I, l- listen to two songs. I promise you. you you'll think, oh, no. That's, but but this is a band that's well-regarded. Yeah, well-regarded and, so and the, modern. The fact that they're well-regarded and modern, it sounds like a band from 40 years ago. That tells you what you need to know about Zeppelin. Yeah. yeah. Now, whose other bands that you think... 
achieve that because I've got a couple more in my mind. But I'll give you a second. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, now certain songs can. I was going to say, I think you can take some late era Beatles. I think that's true. Yeah. I think from, uh, not rubber, from Revolver, Revolver on, on, maybe. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, I think Pink Floyd. Do you? Oh, God. Yeah, I don't feel that way. What and sounds, I'm also not a big Pink what Floyd sounds fan. sounds dated? I listened to The Wall just recently. I mean, like, I, I mean, The Wall sounds like it would be good for... T- I mean, it's, we're not talking about good. We're talking about, like, it doesn't sound dated. You think it does? I, I, I don't know. I haven't heard it in a while, but I guess I... I yeah, I tell you... It doesn't strike me as something that would pass today. But, I, I mean, gosh. maybe I need to give it a listen. Be the album of the year or The Wall this <laughs> It would have to be. Um, I tell you this. If you ever get a chance to see the wall on the big screen, I saw it back in Columbus. It was, I've seen 600 movies, no, more than that. I've seen 1,000 movies in the theater. Like, I, I was go for a long while, I was going 50, 60 a year, like one a week, easy, if not more. And then I'd go to one or two film festivals and see, like, 15 that week. And, um, you know, and there was the Vegas Film Festival for a long time, is... The Wall is one of the five most powerful movie experiences I've ever had. It just blew. And I had listened to that album for my whole life. So it's like you think I was stale on it. It was amazing. Um, but there's a line where the, when it's going, it's got like the marching and everything. And then the voice says, uh, it, it's like the um, prosecutor. And he says, uh, you know, are there any, and it says a pejorative about gay people in the theater tonight, put them up against the wall. And it goes, against the Wow, it is massive. But it, right, I can't remember if it's before or after this, a little bit. It says, I got some bad news. They're talking about, uh, it's the trial. And it goes, I got some bad news for your sunshine. Pink isn't well. He stayed back at the hotel. And it's just like, that's, to me, I don't know why, but I think that's such a powerful line because the whole song, the whole album is leading up to the point he's having a breakdown. And it's his, it's his imagination that's having this trial. I think it's called The Trial. The song. And, but imagine you're thinking about yourself in the name that you've given yourself for the movie, Pink. Right? Yeah. Is Pink is, you know, I've got some bad news for your sunshine. Pink isn't well. He's back at the hotel. And they sent us along as a surrogate band. Surrogate, but they say surrogate to see where your fans really stand, and it's just like, my God, who's doing that today? And I know hip hop's a whole different thing. True. Right? And one other line, uh, the song is called um, "What Is It?" It's the piano song. What is the name of that? You know something? I'm just gonna this. We'll play this a little bit, and then we'll move on. Check these. Check this out. It's heartbreaking. Got a little black book with my poems in. Got a bag, got a toothbrush and a comb in. When I'm a good dog, they sometimes throw me a bone I got elastic bands keeping my shoes on. Duct tape shoes. Swollen hand blues. I got 13 channels of shit on the TV to choose from. I got electric light. It requires. I got second sight. 
got amazing powers of observation. That is how I know. When I try to get through on the telephone to you. Silver spoon on a chain. Got a grand piano to prop up my mortal remains. I got wild staring eyes. And I got a strong urge to fly. But I got nowhere to fly to. Fly to. I just think like sometimes like all the the echo and reverb and then like the fake laser sounds that makes it sound dated to me. Okay, so that's an interesting point because obviously they were at the forefront of this. Yeah, but to me those are secondary. Like it's not the point. In a weird way, that's what drew kids to it. Maybe almost like Sergeant Pepper, right? Sergeant Pepper is not the Beatles' best album. No, but it it was the most acclaimed. I mean, yeah. but I mean, it was the yeah. number one on Rolling Stones list for a long time. Yeah. So the the artifice, the super, the sugar coating draws a lot of people in. But when there's something beneath it, is when it's interesting. The lyrics are incredible. I agree. I think the couplet that says, "I've got the obligatory Hendrix perm," <laughs> and the inevitable pinhole burns up and down the front of my favorite satin shirt. I got nicotine stains on my fingers. I got a silver spoon on a chain. I mean, it's like it's like a stage direction of like someone you know flipping out yeah. and 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 having heavy depression. I'm looking at the list on uh, on YouTube where we played it from. It says the first comment says if you've ever suffered from depression, been in that dark place, this song is like a Bible. You know, it's like I'm not prone to depression, but like. The times I've been, you know, like if I get down, it's usually for half a day or something. I mean, I'm lucky, I guess, in that way. I, I certainly am not happy all the time, but I don't get like down, down. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, I can kind of feel it like w at my lowest, like this song feels like, man, I, it could go further, huh? No, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So we had our fun. <sighs> He's he's he. Do we know that he's Silver Spoon? Griffin? Yeah. No, I don't know for sure for a fact. You hear a lot of people from the from the urban areas named Griffin? No. 
Mm-hmm. What do you think, Mackenzie? Blake Griffin. I couldn't imagine well, someone it's being. A, that's a last, last exactly. Name. That's I couldn't last. imagine someone being Griffin Blake. I mean, Mackenzie more than Andy Black. Other than me, Mackenzie's had the most exposure to Griffin because he re- he's the he produces our podcast. So why, it, wh- why do you struggle with calling him the producer? Do you think he doesn't deserve that? No, that's what I'm saying. He produces our podcast. I almost said he records our podcast, but because he that's what you think podcast. of him. Well, he does both. Yeah, but but you, usually people don't say they usually say the more important job. But I think you're questioning with your apprehension to call him the producer. No, his credentials. He executively produces our podcast, which <laughs> which says he sits above it and doesn't really do anything. No, it means he wears a tie when he does it. Well, first off, <laughs> you got something wrong. I executive produce all the podcasts, even the ones I haven't heard before. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard them all. I've probably heard your college basketball the least. Okay. In fact, I'm not sure I have heard it. Well, I've walked by the office. Uh, okay, well. But I, from what I can see, the fans like it. We just want more fans. That's the, that's the game Because it's a little hardcore. Yeah. So I think this is going to be great because Fez is going to come in with the voice of the batter. I could show up, but it's just what's the point, right? Plus. It's a Sunday night. What yeah, you- it's 60 minutes. <laughs> I mean, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's on after the game, right? So, <laughs> oh, boy, I heard that. It's so funny how when you're growing up, you know, they, like I can still remember, like, uh, who was the dude that used to do tennis, too? But he always did the Denver Broncos games. And he would go, and Elway. He always said Elway like it's eight syllables. I've that, no uh, Enberg. Dick Enberg. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And I can still hear, like, I would always, for some reason, fall asleep during the second half or, like, the second game. Like, you know, I was out late. It's I'm 15, whatever, 16. And I would wake up and, like, you hear him go, Elway. You know, like, I would wake you up. Yeah. So this is for Griffin. And then we'll get moving on. That's how. Now, Fez won't listen to the beginning of this. I think that's you got to get that. Right? <laughs> An intro. And introduce him and okay. have that as the back. Uh, 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 now, should I? Sh- do you find uh, Griffin to be a Silver Spoons type, McKenzie? For some reason, he was in London a few weeks ago. Oh I don't my really God. remember. No, that was he, that was the uh, college football. That was that was oh, Taylor. Geez. Another 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 Silver Spoons. Person? Yeah, world traveler. I mean, jetting over to, I mean, it's almost like Spicoli doing fast times when they're like, he, he's dreaming. Like, what are you going to do? He goes, I figure I'm going to f- wing on over to England to hang with the stone. Now, McKenzie, <laughs> uh, McKenzie, if you remember, Griffin did just, we had to record a podcast a day late because Griffin was traveling, but it was to Morgantown, West Virginia. But it was for, but he was probably take, buying the town. No, he was watching Texas play West Virginia. He has, so, he has expertise in the Premier League and gives out those picks. That's why oh, I was thinking of, of England. So he almost has an English accent. He does. He does. Without <laughs> he does? having it, he does. And and he's got red hair, so he looks kind of like uh, Ron Weasley-ish. Yeah, Weasley-ish. Brit- British fictional character. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Did the black man just say that someone looks Weasley? I don't know like what. Now the... we're judging by the, his color of his hair. There was a popular like. British book called uh, Harry Potter. Ron Weasley is the second character in that. Okay, and there's also a lot of black characters that we could reference <laughs> and say, yeah, he was not in Harry Potter though. <laughs> I mean, it's like, come on. That was pretty racist, McKenzie. It was, wasn't it? You know why? Because he got excited. He could cut someone down. He thought it was just competition. I, but Griffin, like, I think Griffin considers McKenzie a friend. That's his, that's, that, he likes it all the better. Mm. Kill him with a smile. You know, you've heard that before, right? 
I mean, you don't understand. He's reading like um, uh, the the Prince at night, Machiavellian. Machiavelli, <laughs> exactly, and uh, Sung Soo. Also, are Yale grads allowed to talk about silver spoons? Well, see, that's the thing. He tries to differentiate himself as a trust or not. A, he's not. He wasn't trust fund. He was scholarship. Ah, okay. Right, Mackenzie. Yes, I'm one of the top three greatest rappers to ever graduate from Yale. So that's definitely a different. I don't believe that. I don't believe it either. In Maybe fact, top ten. I don't even think that's possible. <laughs> and by the way, your top rap, I, I showed it to someone that knows from the streets. Oh, yeah? It's a white girl, but yeah, she's from the streets. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're there. She said that your list was the poppiest radio-friendly list she's ever freaking seen. Like, she was killing it. Damn. I mean, it was like, it was like, I was reading it. Oh, my God. Is this list for real? Like, that kind of white girl? I hope no, not. No, 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 no. Kind of like, um, hmm, let's see what would be the analogy. Because uh, I got, have you ever seen the movie, uh, it's the one that, you know, it's funny. We've talked about this about a year ago. It's the third movie that Larry Clark made. Um, Another Day in Paradise. Remember we talked about that? Yeah, we did talk about it. Yeah. I have not seen it. Okay. If anyone's seen that, it'd be like the girl in that one. Uh, I'll think on it. But this would be, let's just say this is someone that is um, that has a record but came from a good family. So, like, there's a lot of these types that, that they they really have a conflict. Oh, that's interesting, Mackenzie. No. Not like the girl from Ozarks. <laughs> from Ruth. But no, Ruth I love Ozark. Ruth. I have a crush Great on Ruth. Great character. Yeah, I have, I have a crush on Ruth. But here's the thing. Ruth, you know, it's funny. Ruth might be, you know, you watched um, Mad Men, mm-hmm. right? All the way through, right? Uh, no, st- I didn't watch the last two seasons. Mm, that's not good for you. But you, uh, I've made it clear you like Mad Men much yeah. more than I do. I think the finale is one of the great finales. But... um. At one point, Pete Campbell starts to mess with a new guy who was gay but was hiding it. But he was, like, super duplicitous. He was super, like, he was almost like the guy from Catch Me If You Can in a way. And when Pete discovered it, it was just in a way like when he discovered, spoiler alert, like about Don, right? I won't say what it was, but you know what I'm saying, right? His background. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting involved, he looks at it and goes, I don't understand people like you. He goes, but I know I can't beat you. And he goes, I'm leaving you alone. You got no problem with me. Some, you know, paraphrase. And the theory was that someone that had to climb up for, to, to be in a job like that, even if it's a lower level like this guy was, when you have a background that requires you to lie about it so much, that that person is skilled in a way by necessity that Pete Campbell as a rich Silver Spoonsy person wasn't. Well, what I have found is when people, and, and, and this is something I think that happens with girls a lot, they're 18, maybe there's some abuse going on with a step-parent or a boyfriend, or maybe it's just the mom's too controlling, right? But strong-headed girls will go out on their own really early, like right, you know, even before high school's out, start staying over at friends' houses. And what ends up happening is, unfortunately for some of them, they might get pregnant and all of a sudden, you know, their life's, you know, becomes very difficult or they get caught up with a guy and gets into drugs. And I mean, let's be honest, I did more than a few drugs in high school, in college. I drank a ton in high school. I wasn't a weed guy. So 
I waited till college to do, you know, all the other stuff. <laughs> and not all, everything, right? I was never a down. I never did heroin. Or I never did even like oxys or anything. I never liked that. I mean, I've tried them, but I never liked that. But, but I didn't like drinking much either. It was just the only thing to do, right? And it was beer, so it wasn't like whiskey knocking, you know, knocking you out. But um, the uppers in the college I enjoyed. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and I, it, so anyone that's going to judge and say, oh, well, any, anyone doing drugs is, you know, it's like obviously people don't think, most people don't think that. But, you know, if you don't have a support system and you get with a boyfriend, well, what ends up happening is, lo and behold, people get addicted. And you know what happens? Maybe the girl should, should go, that guy that has a crush on her from the bar, maybe they should go off together and make a couple hundred bucks. And it happens all the time. And then, and I'm not saying this is particularly the person that I'm friends with, but then what ends up happening is the drugs feed the need to trick, right? Or it causes the need to trick in a way, but then the drugs help mute the pain of trigger because very few girls in that life are happy about it. No. Right? So, I mean, imagine that, right? You're going to some strange room and there's some, you know, big guy, imagine Mackenzie there, like <laughs> on a three day bender saying, come in like with his robe opened. How much would that cost? It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a happy life to walk <laughs> exactly. into. Exactly. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You're going to get high. Yeah. So it feeds itself. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, so well, no, what happens is the smart ones or the ones with a lot of discipline, uh, usually not many of those, they, they get out of it at some point, 25, 26. And now you've got someone that's very streetwise, too streetwise in a way, but uneducated, you know, because they didn't go to college. And it's kind of hard. And, and, and sometimes it's still drugs. Sometimes it's just they're drinking. And it's funny because that innocent decision because in a way, you've got to appreciate the balls of an 18-year-old saying, screw my comfortable safety net. I'm out of here, right? I mean, they don't know what they're saying, <laughs> right? They don't know how it could take a bad turn really right. bad. But I think it takes bad turns in a way people don't realize. Everyone hears about, that, oh, that person died or that person overdosed. But, I, you know, it's funny. In Vegas, you meet a lot of this because a lot of times they come to this city eventually, right? Maybe they lived in... Montana, Idaho, whatever. Where are, they, where are you going to move if you're if you're you know if you're living that life, you know? They, here or L.A. probably. Yeah, well, in in here just because the strip clubs are so you know because usually yeah. it's a double duty, and you know actually it's not as much as you think, but that could be a whole book. So anyway, <laughs> I've always enjoyed the margins because to me that's where my people are. As we were talking about it, is I am a. I hate convention. I hate, uh, I don't hate consensus. I hate judgment. I hate people that judge people. I really do. And the funny thing is I'm more known and more successful than 99.9% of, .9 of the people who are judging people. I mean, that's just rich people, you know, really rich people judge people. But the judged people are usually the ones sitting at the Chamber of Commerce, you know, and, and their, their husband was once in a, got in the newspaper holding a plaque because he, <laughs> his Little League baseball team won something, and that's his fame, and they're sitting judging people. But I would gladly walk into that lady and tell her, hey, put me over with the freaks because you know what? I don't want to be with you. Yeah. What do you think of that? I like it. I respect it. All right. We're going to time shift this, and that's going to be the end of the pod. I'm not going to do better than that, but we got someone's got to do the imitation. I forgot what the line is. 
I, and I did it poorly last time. Oh God, it was bad. Now, yeah. Did Feds do it last week? He, uh, he did. All right. Was it good? Yeah. Did you learn from it? No. You don't listen unless you t- are talking. Dude. Right. But you knew to answer that question. Right. Correct. <laughs> Purple. All right. No. Orange. <laughs> I'm going to do it my way. Do it your way. Don't get killed out there. That's the wrong way. No. Bye-bye. <laughs>